What's up, everybody, and welcome to the show. Make sure you go and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Tell Me Something Podcast. Today on the show, we have a returning guest, Justin Leeper. He hangs out with us and gives us his two cents on what we're talking about. Uh, and as always, my beautiful co-host, Holly, uh, she'll jump in midway through the show. But we have a new special guest joining us today. Um, he really wants to na- remain somewhat anonymous, so we're not going to throw his name out there. But he is a six-year uh, police officer going on to seven. And uh, he tells us about all the craziness that happens as a police officer. Uh, he mainly works the, the night shift, so we all know things get crazy during the night. Um, and he gives us some insight on what we don't hear about and see every single day. Um, Anyway, it's a badass podcast, so stay tuned and enjoy. I want to know how you got into doing podcasts. I've always wanted to do a podcast. and. (laughs) <laughs> but he's curious yeah absolutely and god damn it i want to tell my story yeah because um, i like listen i like listening to podcasts but i don't know that i would ever want to be in charge of one are we going yeah it's recording but i always just let it record and then we'll we'll get into it i got you um but yeah which shot glass do you want i got the cowboys one yeah. okay i want this nobody wants the cowboys i want this magnificent you got lake tahoe thing on the bottom oh, yeah that was the greatest vacation of our lives so you're lucky. Where is Lake Tahoe? Uh, yeah. yeah. Northwest Nevada and Northeast California. Huh. Yeah, it's it Not splits. Northeast California. No. I don't know. Northeast? No. Come on, where are you at with the, with the Google up. Maps? Pull it up. Yeah. Northeast who is California. it? Who is it? The guy that Joe always refers to, like whenever Jamie. somebody's the yeah, eyes, like Jamie, pull that up. <laughs> All right, Jamie, shut up. <laughs> yeah. You want Don Julio? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Take it, Don Julio. Yeah, no, he'll he'll always say stuff I'm, like, uh, like I don't know if that's right or not, but Jamie, pull that up, see if my facts are right. <laughs> Fuck, the trolls got me again. Yep, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they did. They, I was listening to one the other day. They said uh, they were talking about how because of all the the Black Lives Matter movement and all that stuff that the media has really gone against pol- pro-police things mm-hmm. and somebody was saying yeah they, they went so far as to cancel Paw Patrol oh yeah, yeah. but it was a, that yeah one. but it was a, it was a troll no but they were really trying to cancel it yeah I know which is yeah. fucking ridiculous well they said Cops Cops was like the longest running reality TV show yeah I can't believe it's done I can't see so 20, near Sacramento 27 years oh okay yeah Lake Tahoe yeah I've but, heard about it a lot but Lake Tahoe splits so it's half California half it's Nevada yeah Kind of like... Oh, um, you see, I told you I was right. Northeast n- California. North, no, it's not northeast. Is it northeast? It's not know. just Nevada. It goes into two states. Hmm. Yeah, but I'm thinking north, like California is... It's not like in the very northernest part. That's north. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but on the right so side. Vacation or just yeah. Yeah. It was a spur of the moment vacation for Valentine's Day. Yeah. We only had one kid at the time. Well, we had two, but Michael's living with his mom. And then we had a full-time babysitter. So it was easy to come and go. So they, they talked about taking the guns off Yosemite Sam, too. Did you hear that? They did take it off. Man, I, I, can't, yeah. I, I can't keep track of like what they're removing, what they're not. I heard the Redskins aren't going to be a thing anymore. Yeah. Yeah, they're in the works. They actually have some cool... Uh, they had their guy come out and say, you know, like, we're going hey, to rename the team. Fucking yeah. Phil. 
But now all their product, like their merchandise, is flying off the shelves. I'm sure, yeah, because it's probably going to be worth a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Collector's items, yep. man. Absolutely, because it's a thing in the past, like the when the Houston Oilers transitioned to yeah. whatever it was with the Texans. Yep. yep. No, no, no. So, no, they went to uh, the Titans, and then they moved to Tennessee. Okay. And then the expansion team for Houston came on, which was the Texans. Yeah, gotcha. Somebody told me the other day that the Oilers used to come do their springtime training here in San Angelo. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. I didn't that know. That was like a thing. Can we get a fact check on that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Look it up. Jamie. <laughs> yeah. Now, the Oilers um, used to come do their spring, either spring training or like off season training because it was hot here, like yeah. a dry heat. They did that, I guess, like a, cli- like a I don't know how you call it, some kind of climate controlled stress or whatever because it was a really hot heat or a really dry heat. So we going to take this or what? Y'all ready to take this shot? Yes. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Fellas. Ooh. My voice is not going to crack this time, babes. Huh? Oh. That was good. There she blows. All right. How many of those are we going to do during this podcast? Oh, wow. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> Damn. I should have bought another bottle. Whew. You might have to transition to uh, Patron after this. My, my, I mean, there, I don't see a whole lot of these in my future. <laughs> that couple. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Uh, uh, so, so what happened was? <laughs> um, so, no, I'm good. I don't need to chase it. So in the '80s. Hey, look at see? that. See, yeah. there you go. That'd there be cool go. to see. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, it was like a thing you could go down and do. So, what's our topic? today well i'll do my intro okay so welcome everybody everybody that's at this table uh to the tell me something podcast i'm your host cruz robbie Vienna. my wife is here she's the co-host but she don't have headphones on she just wants to sit back and observe so i got my buddy here justin leeper who's turning into little by little the new co-host what's up what's up <laughs> and then two people who shall not be named unless they want to maybe later i'll go with that yeah yeah. yeah. Good with that for now. Yeah. I know for sure you don't want to. Yeah. Man, and I don't, I don't know. I don't, you know, you never know who your audience is. You never know who listens or whatever. I don't know. That's true. And I, I mean, you could like, I just feel weird about because of the line of work that I do. Can, Become, we, say, can we say the line of work? Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Becoming opinionated about a certain topic because of the the times that we're in. It's very controversial. Yes. Like, I try to try to remain in an area where I just go out and I do my job. And if it's within the law, if it's within policy and it's morally and ethically correct, then I'm good. Yeah. So So you're you're a cop? Mm-hmm. We won't say where? Yeah. Can we say how long you've been a cop? About six years. Is cop right? Police officer, what do you prefer? When it, I say cop, I kind of yeah yeah. yeah. It it's sound a, like uh, I, I don't think it's a derogatory. Running. No, I don't think it's a derogatory <laughs> term at all. I really don't. Okay. I haven't ever taken it or heard anybody that takes it derogatory. Okay. Um. Yeah, I think cop is a a sub. Uh, well, like a like a tangent off of what a police officer is because we always give like the uh, I work night shift. Yeah. So we always give the daytime officers a hard time that they're the police officers and we're the cops. <laughs> yeah. Y'all do the because they work. yeah yeah they they do a whole lot more like helping people across the road and changing tires and stuff like that yeah 
We do a whole lot more. So you choose the night shift? Absolutely. That's where the action's at? That's where I like to work. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, my brother, he's a, he's a cop too. Okay. Um, and the same thing. He'd rather work night shift. Yeah. Because that's where everything happens. That's yep. where all the craziness yep. is at. So, yeah. And I mean, yep. Yeah. From what he says, you become a police officer too. You know, help. Yeah. And protect. We're but, definitely seen in different lights, yeah. I, I would think. Um, yeah. Cop comes from the term constable on patrol. She is on it. Look yeah. at her. And it was a derogatory term in England that brought its way over. Yeah. It was a derogatory term in England? So I also heard the something The crazy else. Brits. Is it freaking Brits? Yeah. <laughs> so Is that also, British literature? <laughs> yeah. Is that... <laughs> so I also heard, like, the term copper. Like, when you know, hey, yeah. hey copper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That it come from... Because there there used to be copper in y'all's badges, huh? So I don't know if that's true. We may get a fact fact check on that, but <laughs> oh, you're not liking this job so much now, are you? <laughs> yeah, look uh, look that up for us real quick. I mean, you know, I may be talking to my ass there. Yeah. So where's your brother? Uh, where does he cop at? Uh, back in El Paso. Okay. Yeah. All right. How long's he been on? Uh, let's see. Not long, maybe. Maybe like four years. Four years? Somewhere around there. Yeah. Yeah. He have any involvement with the, the Walmart thing? No, he didn't. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah, so he works. Uh, so he's not El Paso PD. Okay. Uh, he's Socorro PD. And he, okay. He works. It's like so a suburb? Yeah. Um, but no, he, he didn't have any involvement in it. Um, what's it called? But my brother was there like the mm. day before it happened. At that Walmart. Yeah. Some scary shit, man. Yeah, at that Walmart. And that's not a Walmart that we typically go to because uh, it's out of the area. Yeah. Uh, where m- most of my family lives. Yeah. But he was there. It's like, yeah. shit. So another From crazy. one day to the next. Yeah. And another crazy thing about that guy. I, I, don't, I don't do a whole lot of research when it comes to just kind of <laughs> what the media puts out there or mm-hmm. whatever. That guy traveled a long way. Yeah, a long way to go to that one specific place. It's weird to pick that place. I don't, did you ever hear anything like why he chose that? I don't know, cause that guy died, right? He, I'm almost certain he either killed himself or got killed. No, so he or got, he get captured. He, he got caught, and and uh, I know he was standing trial. I don't I don't know what yeah. he was charged with. Or yeah. If he, what happened after that? Yeah. No, I just I just remember them saying like he he traveled a long way because he he traveled down I forty. Well, no, I, I take that back. That's up in Amarillo. I don't know where he traveled. He traveled from east to west, and I don't know if he went on, like, Highway 67 or whatever, but he traveled through an area that was relatively close to here. Oh, shit. Mm-hmm. I didn't even think about that. Yep. He just decided to stop in El Paso. Yep. I think he was getting fuel at the time, too. Yeah. He was getting gas at the gas station. Shit, I have no idea. Outside like, of Walmart. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't know the details. That's I know crazy. that after... He, when he got caught, it was only because he gave himself up. Mm-hmm. I thought like, he was from Dallas. He was in the no, from, I, I don't think. He was from the area. I thought, I thought it was from out of state. Yeah, no. I think it was out of state. No, 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 no. no. He was from Texas. Was Fact he? check that. <laughs> Just kidding. See, 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 what that, see what that route was because I'm, I'm quite sure it was a very long way. Like you had to have passed like several Walmarts. He's from yeah. Allen, Texas. Yeah. Suburbs of Dallas. Yeah. Oh, shit. Okay. All right. There you go, it's Kelly. Still, it, it's weird. I mean, that's still a long drive. Yeah. Uh, man. <laughs> Dude, that day was fucking nuts, man. I was, yeah. I heard it from my brother first. Yeah. He's like, because he messaged everybody. He's like, hey, is yeah. everybody all right? What's yeah. going on? And so I asked him and then yeah. turned on the news and that's what was happening. Yeah. 
But yeah, that dude, he he gave himself up. Like mm-hmm. they would they wouldn't have caught him at least not immediately. No. Nah. But he only gave himself up. He was driving around. It was like some apartment complex right next door to to where that Walmart was at. Yeah. And they were stopping people. Yeah. And uh I guess as soon as they stopped him, he was like, "Hey, you can arrest me. I'm the one that Wow. Just shot all those people. Wow. Which is scary to think. Like, Absolutely. Uh, he could have gone on and shot more people. Absolutely. Like, what the fuck? Well, that's what, that's what was so eye-opening about the whole Midland and Odessa deal was that up until they had some guys that were, and I don't remember when this was, but they had the guys that were, they had makeshift, makeshifted that hole out of a trunk of a car. One guy was a driver. One guy was a shooter. And they were... Killing people. Out of the trunk? Out of the trunk. Yeah, oh, that's what made them shit. so hard. They were like, they were serial killers. They traveled all around the deal, or around the U.S. But what made Midland and Odessa so unique about the active shooter thing that everybody has come to know this concept is that it was a mobile. Everywhere else has been one location, yeah. and people just respond there. Well, this guy was like murking people and then moving. And then not only that, changing vehicles. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he stole the mail truck. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy <laughs> shit. Yeah. So then you're looking for one vehicle, and yeah. he's not in that vehicle. And anymore. I can tell, I can tell you from whenever, because we get we get third party information, even when it travels from the first person through dispatch to us. Mm-hmm. I I can tell you that the the time lag that we get information is significant, and even then, when you have somebody else telling somebody else to tell dispatch, then to tell us, and it gets to, you know fourth hand, we start that information. It's the the. The telephone game. Yeah, when you have something that's just moving at a rapid pace, like somebody stealing a car or shooting people or whatever, like we think we're getting up-to-date information, but it's actually about five to seven minutes old. So, and it's, yeah, it's bad. We've, I mean, but there's no way to, there's no way to get around that. I don't think. So. Have you had any close calls before? Yes. I had one about, like with what, what do you mean? Uh, Like where you're fearing for your life? Yeah. Yeah, I've had, I've had, I've I probably had about three. Shit. In yeah. six years? And, yeah, in six years. And one of them was probably about a month ago. It was my closest one. And I had a rookie for the first day, his first day. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I had a lady that was. Is, is uh, he still active? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so he, he passed the test. Uh, I don't know yet. <laughs> oh shit. I've been, t- I've been reassigned to go back to regular patrol. Okay. Um. But anyway, I had a, uh, we got, it was, it was, it was pretty crazy. We were hanging out with, uh, a canine buddy of mine that does the, the canine stuff. And we were, I was sitting down eating a sandwich, just taking a small little lunch break while he was catching up on some paperwork. And me and that guy were just shooting the shit. And a call dropped, uh, a little, like very, very close to where we were within two or three minutes from where we were very close, very serious call. We had a, uh, or dispatch had a child caller that called 911 that said his mom had a gun and she was going to shoot herself. And so you can kind of, I can say like by the way call notes go and call notes, what I mean by like the information dispatch has, they, they give that to you on your computer screen whenever they dispatch a call. Like, this is the known information we have. Sometimes it's blank or we just have people yelling or whatever. But, like, the yeah. known information that you have, sometimes you can read between the lines on that. Like, when people say, you know, I have somebody coming through my, my windows or up my floors, shit like that. You can kind of be like, well, this, 
this is this is not legit. Like yeah. someone's crazy, you know, whatever the case. Or you go to a, a house that's a repeat deal. Yeah. Um, whenever you have someone who's a child that's a that 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 has the gumption to call nine one one and say the stuff that he was saying and giving that information over the phone, like we we knew that was is a very real and live call. Yeah. So, um, I told him. I said, "Hey, get in the car. We we have to go. We're really close." So me and that other guy. Well. <laughs> whoops <laughs> me and the other guy you can edit that part out yeah, i got you which it's not it's not that big of a deal but me and him <laughs> went down the road and then went back into this residential neighborhood and uh as we arrived so i'm trying so at this point the the guy that i have that's brand new the rookie his whole job is just to exist and stay breathing and don't die at this point <laughs> try to learn something yeah and so like i told him i'm like just stay behind me or if there's somebody else, stay behind them. Like, don't go in there and have your gun out to protect you or whatever. So we showed up to the house. It was a corner lot. And I just narrowed my car in towards the front of the door. And I can see the kid outside who has the phone in his hand. And he is clearly, like, upset. Very upset. And, uh, excuse me. I get out of the car and I ask him, because he's, he, he's telling me the same stuff that's on my screen. He's like, my mom's in there with a gun. She's going to kill herself. Like, you need to get in there and help her kind of thing. So I told him to get back towards the the back of my car. And as I'm approaching the house, the front door of the house is cracked open about, I don't know, about six to eight inches. And I can see somebody else moving because my headlights are shining in there, right? So I can see the shadow of somebody else moving back and forth. And then I see this guy come out. He was an adult. And he also is in a very severe panic. And he's like, you have to get in there. She's cutting your wrist. She's going to die. Blah, blah, blah. So I tell him, I'm like, okay, stay over here. We're making our way slowly in the house because all of this is unknown, right? The unknown threats. You don't know if you're walking into an ambush. You don't know if you're walking into a legitimate call or something that this person is just high out of their mind. Um, So this guy (laughs) – wanted to like walk with us in the house. And I was like, no, no, no. Like, I don't need you over here. You need to get back on the street. So he actually ended up getting put in handcuffs uh, by some other people outside just cause he was a, he was being kind of a problem. But, um, before, he, before he got out of the house, I asked him, are there any guns in the house? And he was like, he kind of started looking around the room and there was a gun cabinet in the corner and I could clearly see one, like a shotgun. And, uh, then he like motions back in the room where she is, and she's like, he's like, yeah, she has all my, she has all my handguns back there, which he meant like more than two or three. So the likelihood that she was armed was astronomical. I mean, it was it was evidently clear that she had armed herself, and she, you know, wanted to end it all or wanted whatever. Yeah. So the room in which she was at was kind of crazy because it was like kind of like your your space is open right here. It's not an actual doorway. It's like a false door or whatever. Like a, like it just goes to a separate room. Well, they had one of those where she was at, but they had a bed sheet that was stapled all the way around the sides, up the top and down the other side to where it made like this really flimsy wall. So I was at the front. My buddy was behind me. Another guy was behind him and my rookie was way in the back, which is probably the best place for him. And so I got in front of the sheet of the room in which I knew she was at. And I just felt like this helpless exposed feeling like I have, I have a gun pointed at me. I'm, I'm quite sure that I do. And we're not quiet. 
right? Our radios are going off. We're fumbling through everything, giving commands to come out, stuff like that. Like she's, she knows there's, there's cops back there. Like, what is she saying to y'all? She's not saying anything. It's totally silent. She's not saying anything. She hasn't given in her position, nothing. So I just make the, I just, I just grab the bed sheet and I just rip it down, like tear sheetrock off and everything because like, I've, I have to know, like, if we're going to address this, I have to know. And there's other kids in the house and stuff like that. Oh, damn. So as soon as I rip down the bed sheet, I can't see anything. I'm looking into this bedroom, and then, like, on the very corner of it, there's a there's another little room that goes in there. It's like a, uh, like a bathroom. Yeah. So I'm stacked up on the right side. My other buddy's on the left side of where, of where we're at, and we both have, you know, lethal coverage pointed towards it. And I'm just giving verbal commands, and I finally get her name. And I start calling her name and tell her, you know, hey, come out. We want to help you, this and that, blah, blah, blah. Because the husband's out there freaking out, like, telling us she's cut her arms open and stuff like that. Yeah. So what seemed like a long time wasn't very long at all. She came out of the bathroom. And I couldn't see her left hand because she had her body canted towards us. And I could tell both of her arms, she was leaking pretty good. She had, she had hit two, I don't know, there are arteries in here or veins or whatever. She had hit two two of those in each of her arm and she was visibly like leaking blood yeah. everywhere. So I kept telling her like come to me, we'll help you out, blah blah blah. I need to see what's in your left hand and she was like she wouldn't show me. And I and I could tell that there wasn't something big like she was holding something, but my partner thought she was holding a razor blade, which was totally plausible because she just sliced both of her arms open. And so I wasn't too worried about a razor blade. I was more worried about just getting her to open up and kind of communicate and this and that. And I don't know what went through her, but I was, I was staring at her face and at her hands. I was going back and forth trying to talk to her. And she said, uh, she looked at me because I told her, I was like, you know, come on out, kept giving her commands. She just refused them all. And she looked at me and she said, suicide by cop, huh? Just like that. What? And when she said that, she looked down. There was a dresser right next to her, like right as she came out of the bathroom. And when she looked down, I looked down to where her eyes were, and there was I could see the bottom ends of two handguns right there on the on the top. And she reached for them. And so where I was at, I don't know what I don't know what came over me, but where I was at, I was like, I can beat her. I can beat her there. So I ran. As soon as she did that, I just ran and just like tackled her bum rushed her back into the bathroom where she was at and when i did that she had the guns and she dropped them yeah she had the guns she was going to point them at me so that i killed her yeah right so i rushed her she dropped the guns my rookie actually ended up picking the guns like he walked after we watched the the footage um he walked out and he like told somebody else he's like what do i need to do with these and they were like just throw them in a fucking car like get back over there yeah he was like completely like over his head i thought he was gonna quit that day i really did and so yeah so i get i get this girl handcuffed and i have blood all over me because i don't have gloves on or anything like that blood all over my pants and she's just being this crazy like this mess and anyway long story short we get to the hospital and after things had kind of calmed down i asked her i was like do you, do you realize, like, really, really realize how close you came to to me killing you? And she was like, that's what I wanted you to do. And I was like, I'm not, I'm not about that, right? You know, I don't, yeah. I don't, I'm not trying to I didn't come out here to do that. But that's, uh, that's the closest one I've ever had. Um, I've had, I mean, 
I've had several. I had an MHMR guy walk towards me with a knife in his hand. What's that? Uh, mental health, mental retardation. We call them consumers, I okay. guess is the mo- the politically correct term. Got like somebody who lives in a group home. Okay. Um, he had twisted off. I've dealt with him before, but he had twisted off and with the staff members and some of the other members that lived in the house and he had armed themselves with two kitchen knives and don't ask me how they have access to those or whatever because these are like emotionally unstable people, yeah. right? On medication, supervision, all that kind of stuff. And I was familiar with this guy, and I happened to be right down the road. And when I got there, all the other people, like the staff and all the other, they had locked him in a minivan. Because, uh, yeah, this guy was like, that's all he had. It they was corralled a, him? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, And I rolled up there, and this guy was holding this knife on his arm, and he was like, just shoot me, just shoot me. You know, walking up, and I was like, I had to tell him, like, stop. Put it down, like. Well, I don't need. I don't need to shoot you. Yeah. I called him by name. That was a that was a big indicator for him. He was walking, and I remembered him because I dealt with him. I arrested him for yeah. a pretty hefty charge um, at his other group home for a knife, <laughs> for threatening other people, and he again he wanted me to shoot him. So, Jeez. yeah, yeah, it's that's becoming more and more. Should we had another guy that was uh, and. Something had happened with his family, and he called in to dispatch, and he was like, he was he was trying to, and he was very upfront, which is one thing that really like saved his life and saved the lives of a lot of officers on, on the scene that day. He was transparent about his intentions with dispatch when he called in. He was like, I need you to send officers over to the house. I live at this address. I want you to come kill me. <laughs> and like those kind of calls like automatically solicit like, a response, you know what I mean? Like more than two or three people are going to, are going to go to that call and they're going to stage up and this and that. And so this guy got aggravated because we wouldn't actually like walk up to his house. He was trying to do the suicide by cop thing. Cause he kind of deducted in his head. If I point a weapon at an officer or I come at them with a knife or something like that, like they're going to shoot me. I don't have the balls to kill myself. So I'll get them to do it for me. Yeah. So, um, we had a negotiator on the, that took over the phone from a dispatcher was talking to him and he stayed on who actually was my supervisor at the time. She was a dispatch talking to him while we were all on the, on the ground near his house. So this, this stayed kind of like a stagnant situation for about 45 minutes to an hour until that guy got tired of it. And he was like, well, if you won't send one to me, I'll just drive around until I find one oh and I'll gosh. force their hand is pretty much what he did. Yeah. And so, um, he did, he got in his car and we could see him like we were, you know, the night worked to our advantage. Like we were, we were kind of just all around, just not really close to his house so he couldn't pick us out. But our cop cars are, you know, you drive a block in either direction there's, you're going to run into a cop car and that's exactly what he did. So there was a, there was a guy, he got his car, started driving around and found and found a, a patrol car and just parked behind it. And he was still on the phone with my supervisor at the time. And he was like, all right, hey, what do I have to do to get you guys to pull the trigger or whatever? Where's this guy at? Cause like no one got out of the car cause the officer was already out of the car and actually had him, um, pinned down with a shotgun. He didn't, he had no idea he even existed, which was really good. Yeah. It was really good. Like tactics learning, uh, for us. But anyway, this guy, he just gave up. He didn't want us to, he didn't have a weapon. He, he lied and said he did. He didn't have a weapon. But that's what he wanted. And he told, uh, so our protocol is we have a division with the mental health, uh, I'm sorry, with county. 
that whoops <laughs> we have a division in the county in which we work in yeah that uh that has a mental health division and anytime we encounter somebody who's suicidal or homicidal and they necessarily haven't committed a crime they get placed on what's called an emergency detention and so those people come out to evaluate those people to see if they're a candidate for an emergency detention so when this guy came out for the guy that I was just talking about, mm-hmm. he asked him, what do I have to do next time to get them to shoot me? <laughs> oh, shit. Committed. Yeah. That's becoming more and more and more popular. And a lot of these videos that I see on YouTube um, of body cams and all that stuff, that's that's like the going thing right now. It really, really is. Like, people want cops to kill them instead of them kill themselves. Um, <clears throat> how I'm going to have some more of this. Do it, really, man. Yeah. Yeah. How often what? How often do you all get those calls? Like uh, Man, suicidal calls? Suicidal calls in general? Often. I guess, yeah, I guess it's too different. Very frequently. Very frequently. But there, you have to think there is a, there's a lot that falls under that category of type of call. So that type of call can be dropped from either somebody calling in and being like, hey, I just talked to my friend. They're feeling pretty sad. Um, they're lonely, whatever. I don't know if they are going to hurt themselves or whatever, but they just said some stuff like, I just wish I wasn't here, right? You get those kind of vague call notes or whatever. And so those calls get dropped as a suicidal subject call. Um, Is that just y'all checking in, checking in on them? Yeah, it's like a welfare check pretty yeah. much. And we have we have some standardized things that we have to check off. Now, obviously, people can lie to us. And I'll, I will stick by out of the, all the, the actual suicides that I've ever worked, like the legit ones, they didn't, call. they didn't call. Those people aren't looking for attention. They just do it. Yeah. This guy, I, I worked one where this guy was an adult. He was probably 40, in his 40s. And he had come up on some hard times, and he was staying with his dad at an apartment for the time being, right? Mm-hmm. And so dad, this guy had, I guess, chronic back pain, whatever you want to say. He had chronic pain of some kind. Is an opiate user, whatever. Dad went to the store, said, hey, I'm going to go run to the grocery store real quick. I'll be back. He's like, all right, see you later. Dad went to the grocery store, came back in less than 20 minutes. The guy had blown his head off. Sheesh. Yep. And dad was just like beside himself. He was like, we were we were having a, a good day. Like I, I went to go get dinner. And I came back and my son's got a golf ball sized hole through his head. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And so he was like helping him out. And so what's crazy about that is like I asked the dad afterwards, I was like, did you have any indicators or anything like that? And he was like, well, he was like, I guess I should have put two and two together. He was like, he was feeling pretty sad about three or four days prior to when this happened. And I guess the son owned a gun and the dad like took it away from him or whatever, just like hit it from him. He knew he, knew he had it in his room and unbeknownst to him he hit it i guess he refound it or found another one or whatever but yeah he like everything was fine and then <laughs> done damn we also have people that call in to dispatch themselves and they're just like hey i don't want to alarm any neighbors or whatever but send your officers over to this address in about three minutes i'll be dead in the backyard oh shit that happens sometimes yeah they don't they don't they have they don't want to like disturb anybody else or like they don't want to not be found for several days or yeah. hours or have somebody else stumble upon them or whatever. So Which they'll those call. Are Chase's favorite calls. 
What's that? Dead bodies that have been there for a long time. Dude. <laughs> what? Have you ever dude, have you ever been around like death that's been there for a while? No. It's there's nothing like it. It is <laughs> terrible. I can't terrible doesn't even sum it up. It yeah. really doesn't. Like it's it's atrocious. But it's uh Dude, I don't want to drink all your dog. Do it, bro. Do it, man. We can buy him a bottle. No, no, no. There, there was that much left. Oh, my goodness. This is going to burn. Y'all need to take one. Justin, get your shit together. <laughs> oh, are we taking one? Yeah, right. but we don't have it right now. Oh, shit. What happened to off it? with it. But, yeah, Come I would on. agree. Um, Several-day-old dead bodies are not good. Can we go? You crime scene. You've done, like, crime scene cleanup, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Dude. Oh, no shit. Yeah. In bigger cities, man, they have companies like. Oh, yeah. They that clean it, up like wrecks. I couldn't do it. Well, my, mom, my mom's yeah. cleaned up wrecks. Oh, like, yeah. That's right. Your mom's yeah. uh, But like they have like so like suicides and stuff. They've got cleaning yeah. crews that come in and yeah. like clean yeah. the house. And they make a like, fucking oh, killing. They yeah. really do. They really do. Because it's kind of like, man, hats off to funeral home like workers and stuff. Yeah. Like, we're there for whenever they, they pick all those people up and stuff like that. But, man, it's it's terrible. Like, it's not fun. Yeah, I wouldn't be able to do that, man. I, it's uh, not fun at all. In fact, um, we we just got back from seeing my folks, and uh, I went and helped my mom do, like, a field investigation. <laughs> and, Holy uh, moly. It was a guy that offed himself. So, learned something new while I was there. Um when she does a field external, that's going and drawing blood um, and then pulling fluid out of the eyes and pulling um, a little urine out from the bladder. And she has to send all this in for lab testing and all this. But if if somebody was shot or, you know, homicide or, or murder and they have a round left in them, she can't do a field investigation. She has to send them to Albuquerque to get it done because she says no no person goes in the ground with a round. So they'll they'll extract the the bullet out of you before they bury you. That's weird. It's kind of weird. Yeah, I don't I don't know why. Hmm. No clue. But so I got to see. Speaking of that, right there. So I got to see something pretty wild. Um, I don't know how. When was that surgery that I got to sit on? How long ago was that? Two years? Three years? Yeah, I think it was around three years ago. So we had a kid. Um, one of our so in the the city that we're at, we have two hospitals, right? And. One's kind of on the southwest part of town. The other one's on, like, the northeast part of town. So um, one of them has far more capabilities than the other one, but the other one does in a pinch. They have an ER and stuff like that. Yeah. So sometimes we get dispatched to uh, to things at the hospital that we know we have no prior knowledge about whatsoever, like no, no crime scene, no suspect, no whatever. Like, So I got sent to this uh, shooting victim one time at the hospital and they said my patient was a like a 16 or 17 year old kid or something like that so like all right so i go over there well about two weeks before this call came out i went to a um so we for our license i don't want to get off on too many tangents but for our license we have to maintain a certain number of hours of training per training cycle so that our commission stays it's just they they require you to do continuing education just like they would for nurses or something like that um so about two weeks before I had been to this intermediate crime scene class where they got more involved with procedures that you do on major events, right? Like just try to help you 
collect evidence in the right way, yeah. chain of custody issues, stuff like that. So one of the things they talked about was uh, if you have a victim who is in this limbo state of like, it could go bad or he could be okay because he's in that state. He's a giant piece of evidence, right? And our job is to preserve that evidence. We have to stay with him the whole time. So I was the first one to the ER and what seemed like a really minor call actually turned out to be a pretty major call. Um, I walked into this ER bay and there are doctors and nurses and people just all over this kid, like hanging shit up and taking just, you've seen a chaotic ER room. You kind of get that that vibe. That's what was going on. Right. So I walk in there with no previous knowledge other than this person was shot somewhere. So as soon as I can get a word in, this guy's still conscious and I can tell he's a younger guy. Um, he's still conscious. And so one of the things that I've tried to make good practice is if I go into an ER room, especially with like a shooting or a stabbing. So I try to get what's called a dying declaration. Just, just in the event it goes bad before anything else happens. I ask him who did this to you? What's their name? Right. I can, we can figure out location. We can figure out everything else. But if you can give me a dying declaration, that's, that's what I want to know. Who did this to you? So this kid could not, like, he was like, I don't know, we were at this party and blah, blah. And like shortly after that, they knocked him out with anesthesia. Like he was, he was in a lot of pain. Wasn't this the party right by our house? Uh, no, no, no. That was a different one. I got to put a. I'll tell you that story. <laughs> so this was a this was a different deal, and uh, so this kid was the gist of it was what I found out. He was shot in the stomach, right above the belly button, with a twenty-two. It was kind of one of those like it wasn't a targeted deal. Somebody got mad at a party, cranked off some rounds, and it happened to hit him right in the, right above the belly button. Right. Well, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of stuff right there that's vital to you. So from the outside looking in, you have somebody with a, there wasn't a lot of blood. It wasn't a big gory scene or anything like that. Just a small hole, right? And they had already like pretty much kind of cleaned it up. I really couldn't even tell until they like spread it out. Bounced around in there. Yeah. And so I'm sitting there listening to the, uh, the ER doctor and I think, man, this is, there's nothing to this. Like this kid, it's, it's not that bad. So I hear so one of the doctors talk to the other doctor, and then there's like a surgeon, and I'm kind of like listening in, eavesdropping as to what they're saying. Um, and they're like, yeah, we're going to have to get him up to emergency surgery right now. So I was like, oh, shit. Like, is he going to go, is he going to die? Is he going to, you know, what are the extent of his injuries? He's like, I don't know, but he's shot like in, there's a lot of important stuff right there. Your, you know, your liver, your spleen, your stomach, all, the, all your organs yeah. right there. So he's like, we're going to have to take him to surgery, and it's kind of like an exploratory <laughs> surgery for the most part to see what all is damaged and what we need to repair. Cause we really can't, like, he's leaking out on the inside. I know it's a small hole, but he's, you know, he could be really, really fucked up in there. So they do their thing for a little bit and they're kind of getting him prepped to go to surgery. And it dawns on me that class that I had, they were like, I was like, this guy's a giant piece of evidence, right? Like <laughs> I got to stay with him. So I had other people out looking for the scene of where this happened and all this stuff. So I'm pretty much like the only one at the hospital, like no families there yet. No, nothing. It's just like him, everybody working on him and me. And so I tell the surgeon, I'm like, Hey, I really need to, I, I have to stay with this guy. And he was like, I don't give a shit if you stay with him, like do whatever you got to do. And so I was like, well, I'm going to have to go with you on to surgery. He was like, that's fine. Just don't fucking say anything or touch anything. You're going to have to put scrubs on, like just sit in the corner, like, 
I was like, all right, cool. I'll do that. He was like, don't touch you me. You had to go into the OR? Yes, 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 yes. This said, is what's crazy. They don't have like a... No, because he is in that state of like... So there's two reasons why I had to stay with him. Because he's in this state of like he could die at any minute and or not. And the the topic comes up of like, okay, if this is the bullet that went into this kid's stomach, for court purposes, we have what's called the chain of custody. Right. So it looks a lot better in a courtroom. If I can sit up there and testify to, I collected this bullet from this surgeon Mm -hmm. that he pulled out of the victim. Right. Instead of the surgeon extracted the bullet, handed it to this person who's a tech who then handed it to this person who cleaned it off, who then handed it to this person who, you know, did whatever and then handed it to me because it just, it just narrows it all up and it, it cleans it up to where I took the bullet. Right. So the guy, he was cool with it. He was just like, don't, don't touch anything that's blue. You can hang out over there. You'll have to put scrubs on and we'll let you know one way or the other. So I was like, okay, cool. So I put these scrubs on and here I go into the OR and I'm sitting there in the corner and like, it kind of dawns on me. I'm like, oh shit, they're about to like cut this kid open. And I was in for a treat. I really was like, (laughs) so do you, do you deer hunt at all? No. You? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So whenever you whenever you gut a deer, you like zip them open, right? They literally did this this kid. So they had they had this this uh, this tool. This it was like a scalpel or a knife or whatever, and they cut him. Well, as they cut, they followed it up with this cauterizing tool that ca- that that kept the bleeding down to a minimum, right? So like they cut and then just like cauterized all the way down, and they literally just zipped him down, folded him open, and. There was his guts and everything. Like, this kid was on a ventilator and all kinds of like, – he was alive. But they started going through all of his organs, like, feeling what was in a hole or what had a hole in it. And come to find out – so, like, he had a through and through in his stomach. He had a through and through in his intestines, a through and through in his spleen, um, through and through in his liver, and it lodged in his back. So it hit, like, five organs and then lodged in the muscle tissue on the inside of his spine, like, where the – I guess where it runs alongside your spine to where it's like a really critical area. Yeah. It lodged right into there and just stuck. So they had to get that out. So this was, this was a major deal. So they're going through trying to fix things and like they would literally take body parts out, fix them and then just set them to the side. So like at one point, at one point to try to get this thing out, what are the, what are those called? Those big, it's like an oval, that big metallic thing. It's like a just ratchet. Yes. This is the wildest shit I've ever seen, right? So they have these two pieces because, like, that was another thing. Like, watching how people work in a surgery room is really cool. There's not a whole lot of people in there. There's, like, six people. That's it. And, like, they all have their jobs. There's not a whole lot of communication. Like, they just do their thing. And so they bring out these these weird metallic, like, circle-looking things. And I was like, what the? This is after they had already, like, cut him open, and they were still they were moving through some stuff and suturing him up a little bit like that. And I was like, I couldn't put together in my head like what this was. Well, they had to like build it over him. And essentially what it was, it was like these two pieces that fit together like this over the cavity of his body. And then they had uh, a brace in the middle and it had this wheel and they would crack open his ribs to hold it there. Yeah. So they would just, they would do that. And then they would stuff, they would just be stuffing rags everywhere. 
that was another thing I didn't realize. They have to count every rag, everything in there. It's like has a has a scan card. Yeah, that makes sense. So you take like a rag and you put it in there, and it stays so in there for so however they don't leave long. One in yeah, there. as soon as they pull it out, they're like, boop, they have to scan it, and then they they discard it because I guess they've had a problem with like leaving shit in people. Yeah, <laughs> that's a thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, tools and whatnot. So they yeah they scan all these. Uh, I, I watched Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> yeah, they want they scan all these rags and stuff like that, yeah. and uh, that lady that lady has a shit job like. Because the doctor was like not nice to her at all. So he, he would scan a re- or he would just take one out and just be like, and just throw it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would imagine that situation like you're you're not thinking about cur- yeah being cur- courteous or whatever. Yeah. You're just like fuck so it. I'm trying to save I, this dude. Yeah, I stayed I stayed in there for like probably almost five to six hours. Damn. In surgery with this kid. And they, they sewed him up, they got him stable, and they were like, well, they weren't able to get the bullet out because if they were to, like, explore, like, cutting that out where it was at, they could really, like, damage yeah. some vital shit back there. So they just left it in there. Shit. So yep. he's just living with the bullet in his back? Yep. 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 So You need to tell some funny stories now. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I don't want to. How about Justin talks? No. no, no, no. This is good. This is good. Yeah. That's fucking crazy, man. I used a cat tourniquet on a guy's arm one time to stop bleeding. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. What what happened to his arm? He was shot. Oh. He was shot in the back, like right where the armpit starts, like where your crease is right there. Uh-huh. He was shot through his arm. It hit his artery and then out his bicep and then into his chest cavity. So I had just been through like a tactical combat course where they gave us cat tourniquets, those yeah. combat application tourniquets, and I was like, Fuck yeah, I get to use one. <laughs> so I pulled that son of a bitch out and cranked it on this kid's arm. <laughs> Meanwhile, your yes. buddy's screaming in pain. Yeah. Yeah, so he was like, it was it was actually pretty cool. But yeah, the, the doctor actually pulled me aside after that, and he was like, good job. You, like, used your head. You actually saw the kid afterwards. Too. Yeah, I did. I did. He he moved after that. But that, that was actually, like, <laughs> right down the street. undisclosed location. <laughs> oh, the one that got shot in the belly? No. no, no, no. It through the arm. Oh, through okay. the arm. Yeah, that was another deal. Like, so they had kicked some people out of a house party that I guess weren't really invited in the first place. And so yeah. they were pissed off and got mad. And one guy, as they were getting into the car, just cranks off like six rounds Ooh. into this house where like there's all kinds of people. Yeah. And this dude gets, he ended up getting hit right here and then went through. And like, what was crazy is I could see it like wedged in between his skin. Like, it didn't go in his cavity, it like rode his chest muscle. It was like lodged right. Like I feel it. Yeah. Like so I put the I put the tourniquet on the backside right there and just cranked the shit down. He was screaming. I was like, "You have to leave that on there." And so then I was like looking around to see if he was hit anywhere else, and I found that thing, and I was like, "What the fuck is that?" Yeah, it was a bullet. Is what it was. Holy shit! It went in like the side of his tit right here. And stuck. Uh, you, you worked one that was uh, out of by the lake too. Uh, the guy that uh, self transported. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, that guy's in, uh, the other, one of the guys is in prison. Yeah, yeah, that was the he walked into community like he was leaking. I don't know how we, I don't know how he made it. Yeah, I don't either. I don't either. He drove all the way from. He probably drove what ten miles. Eh, yeah, probably, probably five. Not, yeah, five miles. But I mean, he, he was, was shot the fuck up, man. Like bad. <laughs> he was hit like three, three or four rounds. times. Yeah. Oh shit. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, he bled all the way out the house. Yeah. His puddle in his vehicle. Yeah. He did live. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he's oh, alive. Yeah. He's good. He's like he's a big old fat guy. I think that's what honestly, like, yeah, I think that's what helped him. Um, but he, uh, yeah, man, it's it's crazy. It really is. Yeah, it is, man. Because uh, you, there's so much that happens that you rarely hear about in the news. Yes, or in the newspaper. Yeah. Or anything. Well, 
you could take that, you know, you can look at what goes on in San Angelo as a smaller scale of what goes on in the country, yeah. right? If it's not sensationalized, then for whatever reason, here locally, people like to look at wrecks. Car wrecks, right? Uh, every time a, I wake that's up. anybody anywhere. Every time I wake up, I check San Angelo Live or whatever, and it's just like, I look at six articles of collisions, and I'm like, that shit is the most boring fucking shit ever. Like, I hate wrecks, bro. I yeah. really do. Like, we have to investigate them. It's bad. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't be able to do it. No. So, um, but no, there's it, there's a lot. There's a lot that goes on that gets unreported. and Or not unreported, but undocumented as far as like, but a lot of that is to keep people. Yeah, it doesn't make the spotlight. And a lot of that's because people are like, you just, you want people to live in this false sense of security of like, yeah. nothing's really happening. Yeah. Because every time they ask, you know, People ask me all the time, is San Angelo busy? And I'm like, fuck yeah, it's busy. Yeah, I'm, I'm busy paranoid all the time. anywhere I go, man, yeah. <laughs> because of that. Yeah. My, my brother, he was, like, every time I talk to him, he's telling me stories about shit that he sees. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, we we live in this, like, this small little area that he yeah. he's responsible for. Yeah. Like, you wouldn't think that much happens. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I won't go into any details of stuff that he's told me, but mm-hmm. it's like, what the fuck? We don't see any of this. You don't hear yeah. about any of it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so like what's crazy about that is uh, so you know a place like here obviously doesn't happen as much as Chicago New York yeah. whatever that's a daily thing that's a that's a legitimately like homicides shootings stabbings like shit like that like that's a daily thing yeah a daily thing people go through and it's not like one or two a day it's a lot mm-hmm their homicide division is bigger in New York is bigger than our entire department here. Homicide division detectives yeah. just to keep up, and they're and they're they're how many cases down? You you got that many people in one place, shit's gonna pop off. Yeah. My question is, when I first moved here, everybody just described San Angelo as the retirement yeah um, town. Right. My my question is like, obviously you're in in the law enforcement. Do you see? Did you see? Have you seen a change? growing up around the area on crime or is it just the media that's making it like more social media out there that makes it appear to be worse than it has been in previous years so crime inherently like it doesn't really matter what you talk about well for the most part is crimes of opportunity right it's not it's not planned it's not you know whatever like people whose vehicles get burglarized, right? You have guys that just walk up and down the street and check door handles, and they find one, they exploit it. When they don't, they move on. Um, your shootings and stuff like that that happen, it's all circumstantial, right? It's not like people are like, all right, we're going to go to this party and kill this kid or shoot him or whatever. So I think it's relative. I think crime has always been there. I think... I think social media and... Yeah, media makes it more transparent for sure. Or it makes it easier to hide it. Well, I mean, because it's there easier at your fingertips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, they you can you can overshadow something by giving a... Oh, gotcha. I see what you A said. more sensationalized story. Yeah. Because, for example, <laughs> I don't want to get too much into politics <laughs> here, but so while this whole COVID thing is going on, while the Black Lives Matter movement is going on, did anybody realize Hillary has been on trial like these past two months? I, I saw some stuff about it and very, yeah. very little, right? She's yeah. she's really on the hook for some serious shit. She really is. 
No one hears about it. It's not in the news. Son, I had to have somebody tell me, like, hey, this is what's going on. Like, she is on trial for crimes. Like, international, like, crazy shit. And apparently the context of some of those emails that everybody's been joking about for years, pretty fucking serious. Pretty serious. Yeah. But it's been been masked. And it could damage a lot of people. A lot of people. Well, yeah. that's all why. the conspiracy theories. That's <laughs> yeah. what's happening. Like, yeah. hey, the riots were instigated. Yeah. So to cover all this. Yeah. Up. I can tell you. So you don't hear about conspiracy theories. I, I am, <laughs> I am not going to get off on a tangent. Mm. I'm not going to get off on a tangent on conspiracy theories. But I can tell you one that I have recently entertained in investigating. That when you hear about it, you're gonna you would you, people are just so quick to dismiss it, right? Flat Earth. Oh yeah, dude. Have you heard? You think the earth is flat? No. That's the number <laughs> one. Like, oh that's gosh. the number one question. Stop but drinking. but 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 <laughs> hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. If you start listening and and listen and paying attention to what the people who do think the earth is flat. Yeah. Right? If you start just hearing them out, sitting back and listening to what they have to say, no interjections, no anything like that, just listen to what they have to say. I'm just telling you it's weird. It really is. I like, what's their argument? Man. Yeah, I can't even imagine. I, I really, I encourage you. So you don't, right? So I'm, you, don't, you don't think the earth is flat? No. no. I really don't either, okay? But I didn't know that was ever something that I needed to question. Yeah. But I try to, I try to be subjective, right? That's, that's kind of my job, right? I show up and I hear your, part, your side of the story. I hear your side of the story. I can't show up with a preconceived notion of what I think is going on, right? I have to hear all sides of the story because I wasn't here. Yeah. If I simply just l- sit back and listen to their side of the story, some of the theories that they have, I'm telling you, it'll make you, like, I, you know that emoji on your phone where it's like, <laughs> thinking about it? Huh. It'll make you do that That kind of makes I sense. I really, I encourage you to look at some of the stuff that they say. I really do. Yeah, I never gave it a, a second thought because people, I, pe- people like with that attitude, like you're just not ever gonna be like, <laughs> nope. It's like you're scared to explore it. I I'm not scared to explore it. I just think you it's should. dumb. You should. Right, it's okay. a waste of time. Yeah. All I'm telling you is do some research and then get back with me. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not trying to make you a believer. What's the gist of this story? Flat Earthers. You think the, the Earth is flat? No, that's the number one question people get. No, 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 no. So there's like evidence from people in space that says the Earth is not flat. See, that's the other thing that you have to realize is there is a vast majority of people who don't believe we ever went to space. Yeah, that's uh, I'll call bullshit. Okay, on that so one. what about satellites that take pictures that are literally in space right now? So there you was can a there see was a, through a telescope. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a couple of uh, there's a difference in putting people in space and things in space. Okay, but things in space take pictures of a circle Earth. Right. Uh, okay. What, a cylinder. It's so, not a cylinder. so somebody Spherical had Earth. somebody exposed <laughs> somebody <laughs> found somebody found the uh, the robot. You remember you remember the whole Mars expedition thing was going on, mm-hmm. right? So, in I think it's Utah. Maybe there's like this desert that has all these like weird rocks and sand and shit like that. Somebody found that robot in Utah. And like compared it to pictures that they said were Mars. They just put this like this red tint on this picture. Yeah. It's the same fucking place. <laughs> like the rocks are in the same shape and all that stuff. Like, 
You gotta go to a new subject. Hey, I'm just telling You're you, like, like crazy. Okay, I so just, this is what I'll say to that. Like, I'm gonna use a boat for example because you guys just got rid of your boat and I'm sad about it. But how many boats are created before the actual like boat that gets sold is put out, right? Mm-hmm. So they may have found a robot that looked alike, but it's probably not the one that was there. It was probably a prototype. Maybe. Maybe. I'm just saying. Hey, I'm what's not. What's under Earth? I'm not denying. I'm going to ask you all the questions hey, I ask my no, students. No, 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 no. Seriously, like, I I am not. I, I'm kind of finding myself more in the terms of, like, I don't know what to believe. You know what I mean? Yeah. You should know what to believe. Really? There's evidence that it's a sphere. Okay, this I'm is, not saying I don't believe it's not a sphere. You just said you're questioning it. No, I'm saying look at so the map that flat. Look up the. Can you you have the internet right there? Yeah. So look up the map. No. The flat earthers map, right? Okay. Oh so this is my thing. When in the course that we teach, we have to teach manual plotting. Yeah. Which is like the military grid reference system. I mm-hmm. think I might have just made the acronym up, but it's MGRS and then lat longs. Mm-hmm. And MGRS are based off of spherical. a spherical Earth. So when I'm trying to explain to them why they have to graph on this, right. the flat Earthers like freak out, and they're like, "There's yeah. no way this is a thing." And I'm so like, "So you've encountered flat Earthers?" Yeah, yeah they'll straight up. They're yeah. like, "I don't want to do this. So the Earth is flat." And I'm like, "So I have a question for you, since you you're, you seem I to be very know knowledgeable." This was a thing. Yeah, no, it, it really is. Like it really it, is. People are so serious about this. Yeah, I'm not very knowledgeable. So but who I'm a little bit. who governs Antarctica? I don't. It's know. a continent. Right? It's a country and a continent. Yeah, who governs it? Penguins. Are there people that live there? <laughs> yes. Yeah, there's us. Yeah. There no, is. No, no. There's no. military bases yeah. there. Where? I don't know where, but it's in Antarctica. Island. His brother has been there for a year. Mm-hmm. He thinks he's been in Antarctica. Oh, my God. Here we go. <laughs> no. So, okay, 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 okay. Oh. <laughs> so can, can you describe the flat earth? The flat earth? Uh, so. I can show you this picture, and if you can describe it, be my guest. So... Essentially, this so there's no Antarctica. This, this border is Antarctica, right? So if you pull up Antarctica on your phone and you look at Google Maps, did you know you cannot scroll from north to south all the way around the globe? You can't do that. You can't. Pull your phone out. Oh look at Google gosh. Earth and go to the satellite imagery. When you go all the way south to where Antarctica is, it stops. You cannot physically scroll anymore. It's not documented, right? You also can't scroll out to where... The Earth is shown by by all pieces. You've put right? a lot of time into this. I've listened to what other people have to say, and I find some very strange inconsistencies with the technology that we have for a map. I don't know. I just look at my cell phone. You're rotating? Okay, like, yeah. look. Yeah, every direction. Boom. Debunked. Debunked. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not. Are you on satellite imagery? Yeah, that satellite's really not up there. So look, look. You go here. So you scroll all the way out, right? No, keep scrolling out. Keep, keep scrolling out. No, no, keep scrolling out. Okay. You're basing this off of Google. Google Maps. No, I'm not based. Like, I'm trying to come up with. You're top. so upset, right? Now. No, I'm, I'm so really not. <laughs> no, not I'm you. Re- You're right. No, I'm really not. <laughs> all I'm asking you to do, if you if you ever question something, would you explore it more? Yes. That's not Google. You know that's, how I that's not a it? real. That's I not go to satellite imagery and I look at it and I see that. That's okay. I just. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. I mean, the cell phone alone like proves everything to me. 
Yeah. Like the simple fact that we have a cell phone and it does all these million Everything. things, like what's not possible. Yeah. You you can't right. tell me that a man has not been on in space or on the moon yeah. or I hear you. It's the same reason. Well, no, that's not the same reason. But I do think there are aliens out there. I do too. Yeah. There's so gotta be. The, you listen to Bob Lazar, right? Space is way too big. Yeah. Yeah. UFOs. You listen to Bob Lazar. I, I listened to a portion of it. Yeah. Well, did y'all see the uh, the deal somebody captured on their phone over Midland last night? Yeah, it was like this. It was a what? See, I heard it was like a like an an oversized meteor that was like as it was entering the atmosphere. When you say heard, does that mean you read or someone told you? Like I heard the people on the video. Oh my goodness! <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what to believe. Like no, it was supposedly a Russian. Um, that's the first time I heard that. Down and that the, the, what they saw was the thrusters. A, a Russian what? A Russian missile. A Russian missile. That's not my take. That is a, our guest's take. Yeah. You, do you know what I'm talking about? I know. Okay. Stand by. You, you lost her at Flat Earth. You did. <laughs> hey. You didn't lose me at Flat Earth. You lost me at... Are you secure enough to explore what they have to say? I am. And I have... Sec- like, So, kind of like going back to what you were talking about earlier, and I just jumped on headphones. Hey, guys at Tali. Um, I have to be subjective to these students yeah. in my class yeah. because... They, like, wholeheartedly believe this stuff. And I can't be like, you're a complete idiot. Like, I don't have time to deal with you. I have to listen to them out. And I'm going to say, okay, for the sake of this class, I need you to pretend that it's a sphere or a sphere. And then they'll argue with me. And I'm like, okay, well. So how many people do you encounter in your line of work that believe that? So each class I teach is roughly 18 to 20 people. And I have never had a class that didn't have at least one flat earth. Really? Okay. <laughs> so... So one out of twenty. I'm mind boggled. Like, <laughs> I'm telling you, it's there's there's a lot of there's a lot of people out there who believe that they just, really do. I just don't understand how they think it's a plane. Like, how does time work to them? If we were just a plane, the sun would hit us all the time, or does the plane rotate in their mind? So if you look at the way the their their map that they've created. Um, that they, they created. Well, that their representation of what it is, right? Well, who created our map? The globe. Satellite imagery did. And Christopher Columbus. We had globes before satellites existed. Legitimate resources. Okay. Anyway, the way that they see it is like they have this, like if you were to take a big plate and the sun is not the axis of where that rotate. Like it spins like a... You know what I'm talking about? Put on turntables. A disc. There you go. It spins like that, but the sun is not the axis of what spins around. So, like, it also. Okay, so if the plate spins, ready? Here, let's. Can we YouTube? No, I'm just going to explain this. No, no, you're fine. I'm I'm trying to give you my perspective. If the plate spins. I think we live on a sphere. You don't have to tell me that. Would the sun (laughs) ever not hit the whole plate? Like, what would block it from hitting the whole plate? Right. Because it's not, there's yeah. not a thing that covers the other side. Hey, that's a great argument. It really is. It goes under the earth. No, because <laughs> then the our earth would flip upside down. Yeah. I don't know. Do, are we upside down half of the time? Hey, I'm oh, just telling man. you, don't go to Antarctica. You'll fall off that bitch. <laughs> hey, no. So, like, okay. At some point, we need to YouTube, like, how they, how they, so I can get clarification and you can get clarification on how it is that they believe. I'm not one of them. <laughs> That they believe, right? 
but they have some, they have, there's a lot of people who've dedicated a lot of time and a lot of their life into trying to convince people. And it's like anything else, like media or whatever. If you sit there and you listen to somebody and you're like, are you conspiracy theorist? Could it be? Yes, he is. Yeah. Tell me your biggest conspiracy theorist. <laughs> no. Flat Earth. <laughs> no. <laughs> Come on. Why? I'll tell you mine if you tell me yours. 9 11. Yeah, you oh, think it's conspiracy theorist? I know it is. You don't know, you think. Yeah. Oh, no, I know it is. What, what are your facts? I'm not, no, no, no. That's, I'm not getting into that conversation. <laughs> I'm just not. I'm just not. Yeah. I can, I can ask you some very simple questions that, like, I guess go along with the plausibility of my argument. Okay. Let me share with the group that I do not share his views. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, number one, there was a plane mm-hmm. that's supposed to have crashed in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Where'd that plane go? It wasn't ever recovered, like, from the earth. There was a big divot. There were pieces of it recovered. Yeah, but, like, when a plane hits the ground. Okay, you think that it didn't happen? Okay, I'm going to get I'm gonna get interrupted. You are. Okay, yeah. No, I'm just saying, there were, pe- there were really pieces. Long, and we need to, like, break it up and okay. get some. All there right. were pieces okay. of the plane that were okay. recovered. Okay. Uh, pieces of a plane, right? Every other plane crashed pretty much since planes have been flying. Most no, of it's been recovered. No, because they incinerate. That isn't true. It doesn't go that fast. Okay, here's another question for you. Pentagon, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Here's the Pentagon. Here are light poles, right? Mm-hmm. If a plane with wings flies this way and crashes into the Pentagon, why is there a hole in the Pentagon, but these are still standing up? So I will tell you 100% about the Pentagon. But we don't know if All right, I'm gonna tell you. Like I'm going to tell you a Holly personal story. I was in seventh grade science class on 9-11 and my best friend's dad was in the Pentagon and broke his back, both of his legs, was in a neck brace and couldn't walk for months, uh, was in ICU and he worked in the Pentagon. So I 100% know that was a fact. I know something Um, hit it. I just don't know if it was a plane. Yeah. Okay. I'm like, I'm not going to argue that because I think... Like, there are things that I believe that are conspiracy theories. Like too. what? Okay, let's get off something so serious. Okay. Like, So for me, have you ever read the conspiracy theory about the Denver airport? Or no? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. The mural that they have? I have spent hours yes. reading about, like, yeah, the unnecessary hours. The way that it's laid out and stuff like the that. The underground tunnels yes. with the gas yeah. chambers and stuff. Absolutely. Have you seen the mural that they have on the on the wall that's painted in the Denver airport? Look it Pull up. that up, Jamie. Is it? <laughs> is it the Denver airport or yes. O'Hare? No, it's Denver. No, it's Denver. Yeah. It's Denver. They have this guy, like, supposedly, like, they have all these people that, like, they can look at this mural and the way it's laid out and, like, the whole airport or whatever. But they look at this mural. There's, like, this guy in this gas mask, this, like, like SS-looking guy in this Ooh. gas mask on the mural has this big old sword and, like, cra- crazy shit. Like, there's all kinds of, yeah. I 100% think there's all those tunnels under Denver airport yeah, that absolutely. is made for, like, Absolutely. Yeah. See that guy? The fuck so is that? So if you start reading it and you look at like... <laughs> That's in the airport. There's like you, there's YouTube videos. Yeah. And this is where I think it comes to like... For a conspiracy theory for me, you have to have like hard proof. So this guy broke in, got arrested. I think he's still in jail because he like broke through security and... Well, bought a ticket, got in security, but broke into those tunnels and was like videoing it all and posted it to YouTube before he got arrested. Yeah. So I'm like, I know the tunnels are there, but why? There's like square footage and square footage of just yeah. empty tunnels down yeah. there. And they have like sprayers from the ceiling that yeah. are supposedly hooked to like 
gas lines to corral people in there. Yeah. The conspiracy theory is yeah. they're going to corral people in there yeah. and like mass genocide people. Yeah. Which is not. That has happened before. Un- that's not unheard it's of. It's not unfeasible. That's not unfeasible. 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 How long have we been the first time? We are a little bit over an hour. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, do you have conspiracy theories, babe? I don't. Sasquatch. Do yeah, I don't, I don't dig into them too much. I, I'll listen to people argue it like you guys. I can't hear you. You don't have headphones on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we need some more. We need some more headphones. Yeah. Aaron needs some of these. So if a vaccine comes out, will you vaccinate yourself and your children? No. Why not? No. Because she's – and that's what's crazy. She's a, she's a pro-vaxxer. I you don't, don't vaccinate your kids? No, I no, pro-vax. No. My, kids, yeah. my kids vaccinated. I was just vaccinated. A, I was yeah, yeah. like, yeah. No, I just, we're on another topic now. No. I would want it to go through. I would want to see what uh, what happens with other Well, people. don't worry because they'll make us get it, and then yeah. we'll let you know how that's it works. That's what I was going to say. I have a feeling like, we're going to be made to get it as well. But yeah. The military is the guinea pigs. Do you hey, give so your kids crazy? the flu shot? Yes. Do you think that's a conspiracy? No, I really don't. And, and quite you honestly, you believe in flat earth and you don't think the blue No, <laughs> see, that's you're taking what I said out of context. I was going to tell you though, so I'm currently reading a series of books by a guy named Jack Carr, who's a former Navy SEAL. Mm-hmm. He writes fictional stories or this series of books that he's he's written. Um, the first one's called The Terminalist. What is it? What are the books about? They're just so. The first book, The Terminalist, is about this guy. So he has this main character that is an active duty Navy SEAL, right? And he is a team leader of a group of guys. Well, in the very beginning of the book, I'm not going to give it away, but they go into a mission that's already been compromised and, like, all but all but him and another guy get killed, like, from just, like, explosions in this weird mountain or something like that. Well, anyway, come to find out, he learns that the military – used his team as a test trial for a treatment for PTSD as like a preventative measure. Like they had, they, they were all getting like their annual like vaccinations and they got this implant that had a adverse side effect that caused all of them to have a brain tumor. So they didn't know this. He started getting headaches or whatever, but come to find out like they, they had all gotten it or whatever. And so basically it's like a, it's like a journey to him as a vigilante against the the government yeah. or whatever that em, you know, employed him or was there to protect him or, you know, whatever, who actually did him a great deal of harm, killed his family, killed all of his men and stuff like that, all to try and cover up how this went wrong. And they weren't transparent about it. I have the book at home if you want to read it. Are you, I do want to read are, you, like, are you a reader? I am. I'll bring I'll, it to you. Have you ever read the Mitch Rapp series? Mm-mm. That's a good series. And it's kind of, it's about a CIA agent who like kind of goes rogue and yeah. does his own thing because his wife gets killed and he's like taking vengeance out. But yeah. It's a good you, series, it, I'll, I will bring you, in the book. I will bring you the book and you can read it. Like it, you, I'll, you'll fly through it. I promise. It's really good. So I'm reading the second one right now called True Believer. And there's a third one um, called Savage Son. What if it's not fiction? What if he's, it's like a memoir? That's another thing. That's another thing that like, so apparently when you're in the military and you decide to publish a book, you have to go through the DOD. Yeah. Like all these checklists. Public affairs, yeah. All these checklists and stuff like that. So he has. Especially if you're a SEAL and you have a top secret clearance. In his books, in his fictional books, he has sections out of there that have been redacted by the DOD. 
and he Does leaves them. Does it say him. redacted? No, it, he like he like intentionally highlights them black. Yeah. So he leaves them in the book. So like you'll be reading along. Is that like to add to the book? Or no, or? no, no, no. He he puts a foreword in there that says, "Hey, some of these fictionalized like whatever have been redacted by whoever that it's been through to say that that he can't put it in his fictional book, right?" Because I promise it's like, and but it makes you think like, I'm interested. is this guy really talking about a fictional story that he made up? Because he makes it very clear. He's like, the main character's name is Jack Carr. I'm sorry, Jack Ryan. No, that's not. No, right Jack either. Ryan's like James a- Reese. That's who the main character is. They're James all Reese. <laughs> sorry. Oh, conspiracy mm-hmm. theory. Yeah. So he puts in there, he's like, he makes it explicitly clear. Like I am not James Reese. I'm not portraying to be James Reese. These aren't what happened to me, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But he's a, he's a, he's a writer. They told him to say. Yeah. His name's, his name's Jack Carr. Yeah. Yeah. I know he is. Yeah. 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 So have you read uh, these books, babe? No. Uh, read it. You should, I'll bring, I'll read it. I'll bring you the book. It's, it's super good. Like I promise I am not a big reader. I will tell you, How fast I read books it? super fast. So I'll be like chomping at the bit for you to hurry up and finish the second book. I'll All be right. like, <laughs> it'll take me a little while, but I'll, I'll bring you that one. So I, uh, I think there's so much shit going on and we know maybe 1%. less than 1% oh, of absolutely. what's absolutely. happening. Absolutely. There's a bigger wheel that's turning things yeah. all the time. I, I, I can, yeah. I, I really believe I, I, that. I, honestly, I don't want to know. Right. <laughs> so because I want to know if it's not going to affect me. But right. But because I mean, of too many things yeah. will affect you. Cause yeah, I, don't, I feel like, Hey, this guy has to go down and yeah. he finds out about this. Yeah, I don't absolutely. want that to happen. Absolutely. <laughs> so the notion of that right there, that you believe that, why wouldn't you entertain the idea that there's some really far-fetched shit out there that's true? That people just are like, oh, that's that's too crazy to believe. Like, don't believe that. That's weird. So It, it depends on what like it is. He's like really right? calm about things. So Cruz is really calm about things that are out of his control. Yeah. That shit will keep me awake at night, just my head turning. Like, yeah. Stuff that I have no control over, and he's just like, oh, I can't control that. And I'm like, my yeah. brain will just go for hours, and I'm like, but what if this happens or this happens or this person yeah. says that or this? Yeah. And it, and he's just like, oh, like you have no control over that. Yeah, but if I hear the noise in the middle of the night, I'm going to go crazy because I'm going to think somebody's trying to break in. And you'll sleep right through it. Well, <laughs> if they're breaking in. Like that's real shit. That's all right. Yeah. 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 I don't know. No, I'm. Going I, back to vaccines. So in the military, y'all have to get vaccines? Mm-hmm. You don't yeah. have a choice at all? No. What about your kids? They do. But, so, well, I mean. I mean, they have a choice, but I want them to go to school. So, no, they don't have a yeah. choice. So but do you, you th- have a choice on your children. I have a choice you on my children. You just don't on y'all. Like, because mm-hmm. you're part of the military. So, let me ask yeah. you this. But do you my think kids that, are fully vaccinated. Do you think Sorry. that's a violation well, of your Fourth Amendment, right? No. You don't? We signed a contract. Right. But you're also a human being. Yeah. But you're the, not but, a human being anymore when you sign the document. Yeah. Right. You give away your I've, rights. I've heard that. I've, I've really heard, like, the military owns you. I mean, to a certain extent, like they'll tell you straight up when you sign this line, like you lose your constitutional rights. Like we don't have the right to. And you'll never see me like talk politics or anything. But if I hate or love the president, like I don't have a right to do that. I can't go out and openly protest. Technically, he's our boss. Yeah, he's your commander. So so he's our boss. So there are just things that we lose our constitutional rights to when we join the military. But it's things we know. Yeah. So that's. That goes into like the generational gap where Mm -hmm. you have these new airmen coming in who are whatever this generation wants to call themselves, but they're like out protesting and wearing like an Air Force shirt. And you're like, you can't do that. Like, 
because what you do portrays the thoughts of the military. Like when so people what happens in, to in, these in, people when they in do uniform. That? Yeah. Yeah. So if you're in the military 24-7, like your actions portray what people think the military are, mm-hmm. right? Because if they know you're in the military, what you're doing is the Air Force to pretty much everybody who doesn't know the military. Because, That's like police. Yeah. 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 Like if someone knows you're an officer, no matter what you do, like you're kind of being watched through a filter of like, that's how police act. Yep. Even though you're just one officer. Yep. Um, so yeah, those people, I mean, there are processes in place to like, um, I don't want to say punish them because it's not punishment, but it's like um, corrective actions right. to try to make them understand. And some people are just like, well, this is my constitutional rights. And we're like, okay, well, you don't have those anymore. Yeah. Like you sign those away right? Yeah. and they just, some people can't grasp it. And so we're like, okay, we'll be a civilian again. Bye. So crazy enough. You say that, um, my partner at work was a Marine for eight years and he got into the Marine Corps at a very transitional point for the military. So like he got in towards the old school mentality of like, I'm not here to confirm or deny what he said or whatever, but there may or may not have been like, hands laid on him during training and stuff like that and now it's not that it's not that way it's a very padded environment i 100 percent got spit on in my face when i was in training yeah and you know what i did i stood there and didn't say a damn word oh he talked about getting the shit beat out of him the marines are different like yeah. that's a marine mentality the air yeah. force is like like they will stand this close well they used to stand like inches from your face and be like screaming at you spitting on you all the things and all you can do is stand there and yeah. like, don't yeah. flinch, don't make yeah. a move. You just stand there. Yep. That was hard for me. Yeah. I would like, I imagine I would be pinching my leg, like just like trying to keep myself under control. Cause yeah. I'm, I'm about to punch you in the damn face. Yeah. I didn't have an so, issue with any of that. Yeah. So he's, he said, he said like towards the end of it, they would, he would, so he Like was, you have an issue that it didn't happen to you or that it didn't bother you? No, it didn't bother me. Yeah. yeah. Why? Cause I got my ass beat when I was little. <laughs> my my mom was, uh, she taught me well. <laughs> do you do you think do you think though that that's like a uh, so, in the military, are are you there to be a number and to be submissive to what they say, or are you there to be a, to do a job, be a free thinker, you know whatever? Like, uh, do you think that's a tactic to like from day one? I think one? it's the position you hold. Yeah. So I'll say this. They definitely want you, well, at least on the Air Force side. I can't speak for Marine Corps and Army and Navy, but uh, in the Air Force side, they definitely want you to think in the position that you're in. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you are just a number because yeah. right. you get replaced. The big wheel is going to keep on turning whether yeah. you're there or not. You're expendable. Yeah. 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 I so think that's I, most professions, though. Do you not think so? Yeah, like if, if you I don't, know. don't if you don't work, go back to work tomorrow, like the police force isn't shutting down. Yeah, but here's here's the thing though, like so I work in a profession where I'm seeing it more and more, especially since the guy that I just well, the people that we have recently had come out of the the new academy, mm-hmm. our department and police for in in general because it's not you're not signed in like the military, right? Like I could quit my job tomorrow. Um, they're so worried about retention and numbers than they are quality. They 100% sacrifice quantity over quality for sure. Yeah. I would agree to that to the military too. They are, I would say my own personal opinion, um, that we're more focused on numbers 
than retention of experience. Yeah. And because when I think it's in a lot of professions, when you realize you can go somewhere else and your talents will be like fostered and you will make more money. Um, like for the military side, if you get out and you become a civilian, no matter what your job is in the military, you're going to make more on the civilian side. Right. That's just like the nature of the beast. You won't have the benefits and stuff that you have in the military, but the money is there. Um, and a lot of people do their four to six years and then bounce because why stay in? You've given me training. You've given me experience. Now all I got to do is go find a job yep. um, doing exactly what I was doing. And a lot of people, <laughs> we have a lot of people in our offices who they just retire like after 20 years and then they come back and do the exact same job they were doing in uniform. Get paid more. And get paid like triple the amount they were making yeah. as a military yeah. member. And it's like, you sit right beside me. We go in the same classroom and teach the same things, and you make three times, four times my paycheck. Yeah. Uh, it makes – it hurts a little bit. Yeah. It happens. Yep. yep. Retire, then make the big bucks. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'll say what you're saying about the new people coming out of the academy has been said for years and any kind of training. Like, I guarantee they said that about you. Mm -hmm. And then the person that's saying that about you said, had that said about them. Yep. Yeah, it's it's a never-ending cycle. Yeah. And, and it's just I think the it's training, changing, and adapting to the times. Yeah, no, I, I like, agree. Like, I guarantee if we got into World War Three, training would drastically be different. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the old mentality, mentality would – it would be more tolerable. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, because I think, I think we 100% have people coming into jobs like the military or law enforcement, nursing, whatever, teaching, that are not qualified, that don't, that don't have any business doing that job. I, and you know I, I don't think you can put an end to that. No? You, you might be able to, to lessen those people coming in, but I don't, in every, everything that you have, you're, you're going to have your, your piece of shit people. Mm-hmm. Uh, people that are not qualified really, that just slip through the cracks. Really book smart people who can pass college but yep. are like real stupid in real life. Yep. Yeah. Or no life experience. But you know the like the that. one that gets me is people who go work at daycares that don't like kids. Like why? Why do you sign up for that job? It's a job. Like you know it's, you don't like kids. You don't want to be around kids. Why would you say like oh yeah I'll go work in the nursery? Yeah. Like no go do something else with your time. Yeah. <laughs> no. But yeah that one I don't know. I think it's, I think like what you said though, it's just the building the experience, keeping the experience in place. But when you have all these new people coming in and they're just making your life miserable, like you're rookie, you're just mm. like, do I really want to be doing this still? Yeah. And the answer for that is no. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And it's, it really is a shame because I feel like, I feel like I have something to offer to training new people that come on. But my patience and what's worth it and what's not only goes so far. Yeah. And at this point, it's just not. It's not worth it. So you got out of training? Yeah. Well, I submitted my request to no longer be a trainer. My guy got reassigned to somebody else. It's stressful. And, and I mean, you're training somebody that while you're doing a job that is extremely dangerous. Right. You have to... <laughs> I mean, if, if, if day one wasn't ever more apparent than, than now, is like you have to 
I have to watch them and watch me. Mm-hmm. And I have to listen to what they say and make sure that they're correct. And I have to watch myself and I have to watch the other person and everybody else around. Like trying to teach somebody situational awareness, if they've never had to do like most people go through life and they just like, you know, if they have to go to the store, they get in their car, they drive to the store, they get what they need and they drive home or wherever else. Yeah. They're not paying attention whatsoever they've never had to yeah never had to and so you have somebody who's now thrown into this job or they've signed up for this job where you do have to pay attention like you know really really carefully to what's you know what's going on around you who's walking behind you people's body language all that kind of stuff it's a hard thing to teach if they've never had they've never had to do that before and i didn't have to do it before but i was Luckily, I guess I got a hold of it or understood the seriousness of it. Um, Are you a paranoid person? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I really am. So you, like, before you were a cop, yes. you already, like, were a paranoid person. So you kind of had uh, awareness of around you. I would say I was more observant than I think most people are in their day-to-day life. But that's just because I'm a curious person, um, which I think makes me a good cop. It's yeah. our job to be inquisitive. It's our job to be nosy and figure and turn over rocks and figure things out. You know. Yeah. So I think that that made me that made me better going into you know, as opposed to somebody who just doesn't really give a shit what other people are doing from the get go. <laughs> now you're in this job where you're like you have to like poke around and ask questions and all that kind of stuff. And if you just weren't interested in that to begin with, then it's kind of like the whole daycare thing. What, why would you sign up for a job like that? Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's good benefits. <laughs> Dude, it's, it's crazy. Like, I don't know. And teaching, you know, also trying to teach somebody, um, the police world, it's called command presence, taking control of yeah. a conversation, a scene, being assertive, you know, raising your your voice or lowering it or, you know, getting on. Cops have to wear a lot of different hats when it comes, you know, we deal with grieving people, we deal with aggressive people, we deal with suicidal people, indifferent people, happy people, drunk people. Yeah. People who are under mental distress. We have to be able to change our our. Dialogue, yeah, demeanor with with how that. I mean, they we control it based off the ingredients that we're given. You know what I mean? Yeah. So trying to teach that somebody when they're all they hear is and another thing I don't I don't really agree with. You know, in the in training scenarios, especially in police, they go through they get they get six months of well, so they learn the law and then they get six months of this is the worst that can happen. Right. They don't they don't train for what happens most often. Right. You have to be prepared. Yeah. For what could go on. Take a traffic stop, for example. Nine out of 10 traffic stops that a cop makes are going to be you contact the person, the violator. Do your conversation or do your your nine, whatever they call it, the nine step contact or whatever introduce yourself explain the reason why you're making contact with them take enforcement action whether that be a warning a citation an arrest whatever the case is and then break your contact right 
like they sit there and they just get inundated with all of these videos and these trainings of shootouts that occur out of nowhere. Should you be ready for that? Absolutely. And know where you're supposed to go, but that's all they get trained on. Yeah. So when it, whenever they, whenever they walk out, that, that, that puts them at a disadvantage because they walk up expecting the worst Yeah, from the get go. And then you're dealing with people <laughs> who are, that's how you get some cop in my opinion yeah. that are trigger happy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree with that. When I get pulled over, if the cop has their hand on their gun, I always get super nervous. Like, even if I did, okay, maybe I'm speeding. Like, I've been known to speed. Mm-hmm. So maybe I'm speeding and I get pulled over. But if he walks up and his hand is like on his weapon, I'm immediately nervous already, especially if my kids are in the car. Yep. Yeah. You mix that where they're already on edge. Uh, who knows where their mental state is at, but they're already like in that mindset where, hey, this shit could pop off at any second yeah. and they're expecting it Yeah. Um, as opposed to just yeah. playing it by ear, but you're ready. Right. And I have, in my opinion, a lot, there's a lot of cops out there that they'll, they take the job and they, they feel a sense of power rather than a sense of responsibility. Yep. And that's where yep. you get a lot of the bad cops. So, That's part of the reason why I have removed myself from the training program. Because the guy that I had made a comment to me the first couple of nights, um, me and my partner, we go walking every night on our lunch break or whatever. Yeah. And he went with us on one of our it's like first or second day or something. And I won't go into great detail, detail about what he said, um, but the question got asked, why did you get into law enforcement? Why do you want to be a cop? And it went something to the effect of, well, I was bullied a lot. Uh. Yeah. And what do you, where do you go from there? You know? Yeah. You know, their heart isn't. Where do you instill these? You already want to show people. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like, we have this, one of of the major things that, that we have to, like I said at the beginning of this podcast, if it's within the law, policy, and morally and ethically correct, then you're good. Yeah. Right? Someone's how, – how do you instill morals and ethics into somebody, especially in the job of law enforcement, if it's already not like an ingredient that they came with? You know what I mean? Yeah. If you have somebody who just wants this authoritative figure or whatever um, – and I, I, I always tell, it's like one of the things that I have tried to, to, to preach to him and, and be in his head and anybody for that matter in my car is honesty, transparency, and openness. Excuse me. When you're talking to somebody, that's going to get you so much farther than trying to beat around the bush or deceive them or whatever because we're trained to pick up on deception, lies, you know, inconsistent stories, stuff like that. So if you yourself are starting out a contact with somebody and you're already being deceiving about what your goal is or whatever the case is, then how, you know, where, so I have two questions. Okay. Uh, Hold on. I can't remember the first one, (laughs) but, oh, so take that guy. What happens when he runs into somebody, pulls somebody over that he disliked when yep. he was younger or was one yep. of his bullies. Yep. Yep. 
that's it's a bad day. I, I, You're right. I, I could I can only imagine like the worst is going to happen. You're right. It's also a bad day for me because my name is forever attached to him. Ugh. Just like my, tra- I mean, my trainer's names are. That's just the way it works, yeah. right? Because somewhere so along anytime, the, his training, you were the any time, yeah, any time, any kind of like uh, use of force or you know, go go to the very end of the spectrum, a shooting or whatever. They pull training records. That's yeah. what they do. Everything from your firearms qualification to your use of force training to who taught him in the academy to who were his field training officers, all of that stuff. Damn. That's why. That's why the importance of documenting on my part and journaling is not is is imperative, right? Good, bad, the ugly. Like personal journaling or so journaling for the no 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 not like it's not like for my own records we're requ- we're required we're required to journal so take for example we work a 12-hour shift yeah so in that 12-hour shift on an average we average a call an hour sometimes it's more sometimes it's less right yeah. but on average so we respond to 12 ish things and they could range from very serious to we're there for three minutes and see you later. Yeah. Right. So while you have somebody in your car and you're training them, there is a certain set of guidelines that the program that we use called the PTO program, police training officer. It's uh, modeled after the Reno program. I don't really know what that there's some guy made that. So we, we transitioned from FTO to PTO. It's kind of like the transition from what Marines went or, you know, military went through to now what they go to. Gotcha. It's a nicer, kindler, <laughs> gentler, all that stuff. But anyway, so as the trainer, when you go through a shift, if we go to a call where it doesn't require any formal documentation as in the way of a police report or anything like that, and we go, back into service or we call it 10-8 back in back into service I still as a trainer am required to document various things on that call despite how everything ranging from did he read his call notes did he answer his radio appropriately did he drive in a safe manner did he use his navigation skills on his map Um, did he listen to his radio communicate with his partner like all of these very non do you have a checklist or are you just winging it so we have a checklist that we fill out at the end of every night, but we also are required to document in a journal that is open to him, open to me. Like I'm the only one who puts things in it, but he's able to read it. Okay. Right. And so on top That's of the, the journaling, part. <laughs> on top of the journaling, on top of the journaling, we have these weekly things called uh, CTRs. And what CTRs are is you take one call throughout your week that's phase specific, right? So the PTO phase is broken down into A, B, mid-evaluation, CD, final evaluation. Three weeks, three weeks, one week, three, three, one. So 14-week program. So in the in the A, B, C, and D, whoever your trainer is, you have to pick a call that there was some good, some bad, you need some improvement, you did better than expected on these areas. You take one call and you just dissect it on these very different um, topics that they already have predetermined out, right? Yeah conflict resolution, communication skills, use of force, ethics, all of that stuff. There's like 15 topics. And I write a paragraph on each topic. He writes a paragraph on each topic, right? And so we turn one of those in once a week. Um, Getting back to what we were talking about, the journaling, that's why it's important on my part 
to journal very, very effectively because in the event in the future he has a use of force issue or continues to have communication problems or wrecked into somebody's car or, you know, whatever the case is, they're going to, if they wanted to, they could pull his training records. Was it documented that this guy had a fucking problem from the get go and somewhere down the line, they failed to rectify that. Yeah. Right. So that's why it's input. It's, it's, I'm, I'm the only one covering my own ass. I can put as little or as much as I want to in there. And I think it's beneficial for trainers, especially now more than ever document more than you probably need to, to cover your own ass. Because when this guy, you know, when this guy has these issues down the road or whatever the case is, and they look back and they're like, well, let's pull his training records. Let's pull his journal. Cause all that's all that's say. And I save a copy for myself too, to, I keep on a jump drive that way. If it's ever brought into question, I can be like, here's all the documentation that this motherfucker had these problems from the get go. And this is what I did to try to rectify him during the training program. And it failed to work, but yet you still pushed him through. Yeah. Right. So it's off my back at that point. Right. So that's why it's important. And that's why it got to be so much that, and I won't go into the whole, I mean, everybody's overworked, underpaid, whatever the case is, but it just worked out to where it just worked out to where it, the the training program that I was working on uh, with this guy, because I had, I had a rookie, uh, the last class that came out, I had him for, a different set of phases. I had him for C and D phase, which is more like, the end. yeah, he already knows how to walk and talk and wear the uniform and all that kind of stuff, right? Knows how to write write reports and stuff like that. So, I got to be more in my element with this guy by training him to do the fun stuff, if you will. Um, this guy that I just got out of a relationship with <laughs> was the very beginning phase, and I just for for a number of reasons. I just figured out that I'm, I'm not built as a teacher. Yeah. In that sense, right? If you give me somebody, who already has the foundations, who has their head in the right place, who where they can just shadow you. Yeah, absolutely. And we can work through things together. And I can show like someone who actually picks up. That was another thing. Like with like memory retention with this guy, I could tell him one thing, or or he could go. So for example, he could f- try to figure it out. For example on one of our walks that me and my partner were going put on. me on a spot. No, 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 no. <laughs> For example, one of the, one of the walks that me and my partner were going on the other night. Um, I intentionally passed a street sign. I was probably like 200 yards up. Right. And so I pretended like I was dispatch and I told him, I said, you know, Hey, you're out with somebody or you're doing what, what's your location right now? Where are you at? Some shit popped off and you have to handle that. Where are you at? Are you observant? Are you knowing where you're at? And he starts, you know, I'm with you. (laughs) Yeah, I don't don't know where I'm at. And so, like, I basically told him, I'm like, well, you need to fucking find a street sign and you need to run back up here and put it out, right? So he kind of, like, looks at me with this confused look and I'm like, bro, get the fucking chopping. Like, there's a street (laughs) sign back there. Go run. Yeah. Go find out what you need. Like, this is a life, it could be a life or death situation, right? It's not a tactic that, it's not a secret either. Like, people know that that shit's coming if you're a, a trainee, a rookie. So he goes back. And looks at a street sign, right? Street signs go, if it's an intersection, go like this, right? There's two, two streets right, right there that intersect. So he comes back and he tells me we're on this street. And I said, cool, what's the block number? <laughs> he was like, I don't know. And I was like, dude, I guess you better fucking run again. Like, <laughs> yeah, we're still walking. So he's like, here he goes, running back over there. And so the whole time he comes back up here, he's like, all right, we're in the 400 block of such and such. I was like, that's cool. What's your cross street right there? 
Like, how do you look at a street sign for the second time and don't realize, like, what your cross street is? Like, this is about being observant. You know what I mean? Like, if you witness somebody run somebody over in the street, are you going to be able to tell me as a black Chevy, you know, whatever? Or are you just going to be like, man, it was a car? (laughs) (laughs) Like, you're held to a higher standard. You really are. Yeah. And And you're paid to be, like, you're supposed to be observant. So, like... The whole night, we just went back and forth like that. And, like, after we got off of our lunch break, I'd be driving through a neighborhood and be like, I would just put it in park and be like, where are we at? And those are calm situations. Yes. That's not like – I've had people walk – dude, seriously, no lie. I was dealing with – I think it was like a a domestic or something. There were several of us on this call. Yeah. And uh, the location wasn't the issue. Like, we were were at this house and we were – somebody was arresting somebody and I was just kind of, like, standing by watching over them. And I see this dude walking up from behind me, and I look over at him, and this dude is gushing blood. He had been stabbed two blocks over from where we were at, just straight filleted two, open. Two separate incidents? Yes. Yeah, but he just saw a bunch of cops right there and was like, oh, shit, I'm stabbed. Like, I need some help. <laughs> so he walked up, and his shit is filleted open and oh. just, like, like leaking. So I was like, shit, start me a medic. Like, actually, we already, we already had a medic there who was evaluating this person. I was like... He's fine. Address this guy. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, he's he's leaking. Because you never know when things are going to like – It could you could go two years with everything being like, okay, and then all of a sudden like somebody will flag you down. But I was just shot in the fucking chest. Or I'm having a heart attack. How about that? Yeah. It doesn't even have to be a crime. You just have somebody who's walking along and be like, man, I think I'm having a heart attack. I'm having chest pains. You don't want to be like, hold on. Let me figure out where I'm at or what I need to say over the radio. Like, this guy's dying. Shut up. I'm trying to think. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> so we had this long conversation, and it's like, dude, you have to you have to realize you have to be observant. Yeah. You oh, have man, to know. I'm the worst at directions. Yeah. And, and I'm not saying that it's never happened to me, but I try to mitigate that by, like, knowing. Knowing where I'm at. Or just having, like, you know, put out landmarks or, or whatever. Do we something, don't do something. So dude, we, so for example, we, we dealt with this lady the other day. So we get a call and it was a perfect call for him because like I had, we had been kind of like getting at him about, I guess around beating around the bush about like, I think you're, I think you're scared. Like, I think you're not going to act when shit, when shit goes down. Right. So there was a call, there was a call that came out where this guy is in a trailer home or at his house. It doesn't really matter. This guy's in this house. And his girlfriend is is currently trying to stab herself in the chest with a knife. So he's like taking a knife away, and she's searching the house for more weapons. She's just like it's on this this deal. It's a very hot call. So I get a message from my buddy, and he's like, "Let's see what your boy's got." And I was like, "All right, cool, let's go." So we go flying over there, and we get to the house, and my my rookie gets out, and I'm like, I grab him by the shirt collar, and I'm like. Move like you have a fucking purpose. Like, he's just like this old deputy swag walk up there. And I'm like, no, like, this is a serious deal. Like, get the fuck up there. Yeah. It's like, as he's approaching the door, I was like, where's your gun? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So he's like, oh, he pulls his gun out. And I was like, God damn it. So, like, we go in there. And so the guy's, like, trying to, the guy's on the phone with dispatch. And he's trying to hand us a pair of scissors. And I'm like, what the fuck? So I tell, I tell, I almost said his name. Uh, I tell him, I'm like. Dude, go find her wherever she's at. So we go in this house, and she's butt-ass naked, right? 
completely naked, and she has got like she's like in this kitchen or whatever, and that threw him for so big of a loop that he forgot what the fuck to do. <laughs> like we had talked about, we were like, so he was like, she probably, she probably needs to be put in handcuffs, and I was like, yes, that's a that's a great. I'm glad you. Why are, you, why are we? I'm glad you know. I'm glad you know this, right? Yeah. When we get there, put her in handcuffs, right? She's a danger to herself. She's a danger to us. Put her in handcuffs, right? Whatever. So he rounds the corner and like naked girl, and he's just like, and I'm like, go put her in handcuffs, right? Fuck her clothes. We'll get her clothed in a minute. Like, you gotta, you gotta be able to do that. And so like when he got her in handcuffs, he's just standing there, like looking down, and I'm like communicate speak start speaking are you stabbed anywhere do you need a medic tell this guy to get the fuck out of the way like he's holding a pair of scissors right next to your face he could be a threat right so it's like all these things and i'm like i get that there everybody starts somewhere and i and i wasn't the world's greatest when i first started either but it has to click one day yeah. it has to right or you're just not going to go home to your family somebody's going to take advantage and exploit that advantage and kill you I mean, that's what me and you talked about. I think he needs to be scared at yeah. some point. Yeah, and yeah, I don't yeah. know if he has been yet because yeah. you were kind of the buffer on a couple of those situations. Yeah, absolutely. I think he needs to be scared absolutely. of the yeah. situation. But the, as a trainer, I toe the line of like, if I if I push that envelope too far and he gets hurt or like he fails to act and somebody beats the shit out of him <laughs> or like uses a weapon against him, then yeah. I'm held liable. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like I, I toe this very fine line of like, trying to get him this exposure and trying to make him act to do what it is that he needs to do to, to be able to, to make it on his own. Cause in reality, he's going to show up to that scene first by himself. We don't ride partners. And so if I, if I hold all the way back and just watch what happens, then it could open him up for a substantial amount of risk. You know what I mean? If he fails to act, then I'm, I'm held liable for that. So, out of all the re- – like, I'm just done. Yeah. So, I have two questions. Okay. Do you guys have a chain of command where you can step in and be like, yeah. I outrank you, beat it, nerd? Or so, no? not nece- – like, on a scene? Yeah. Um, Not necessarily. So, like, we only have four positions in the police department. We have officers, sergeants, lieutenants, and chiefs. That's it. We don't have corporals. We don't have captains. We don't have any of that. So, your officers are obviously the guys driving around. Your super, your direct supervisors are sergeants, and they are also driving around or, and all that stuff. They don't take calls, but they are your buffer. You know, if you have questions or somebody wants to speak to a supervisor, whatever the case is, um, they're there for your immediate supervisor on shift. But they could do that. They could interject. Yeah, they're not going to though because they don't want to. They don't want to write a report. So what I'm <laughs> essentially getting at is like. If this guy goes in and there's, like, naked chick and he doesn't know what to do yeah. and he starts, like, fumbling, could you, like, pull him out of the scenario and be like, you have to get out of here because you're putting me at risk? Oh, yeah. Or do you just have to kind of let him do his That's thing? pretty much what I had to do. Like, I, I had to I, – I had to – like, I'm, I'm that voice on his shoulder, like, okay, handcuff. And then once that happened, okay, communicate. Like – But what if you were in a situation where it's, like, where you had to, like, rip the bed sheet, you know? Yeah. What if he would have like went up in front of you? Then what would like what would you do? With Man, at, and so here's the thing: that call worked out to where he was on what's called observational week, so he's not responsible for anything. He's basically shadowing me, right? Yeah. After observational week is when. Yeah, but she's asking if in that situation he would have done that. What would you have done? 
Because his That's, life is at risk, your life is at risk. Dude, so how do you like get him out of that situation? Honestly, like if I had not have been where I was, she'd have been shot, hundred yeah. percent. That's what I was gonna say. Anybody he, he else probably would have pulled the trigger. Anybody else would have shot her, or or failed to, yeah. or failed to pull the trigger, and she would have shot him. Yeah. You know. And then my second I'm question not, I had, yeah. which is way less intense. Uh, the first time you came up on a naked person, did you freeze? No. <laughs> just a naked person. Like most, most like dead people we go to, like, like the cease people calls. They're usually naked. People die naked, man. It's the strangest <laughs> shit ever. It really is. <laughs> yeah. And I'll tell, and I'll tell you why. And I'm, I'm not saying this is the only reason why, but so like most of the natural deaths that we work that are not homicides. Right. But with that, that as a caveat to that, if, uh, so we have what's called attended deaths and unattended deaths in the state of Texas. So an attended death would be something like somebody died under physician's care or hospice or whatever, like they're in a home, they're preparing them for the end, all that kind of stuff. Unattended deaths could range from somebody who dies from a heart attack at home to Mm -hmm. somebody who's shot in the head on the street, right? It's an unattended death. It's not a physician. It's not a controlled environment. So we have to investigate all deaths as their homicides until... They're proven otherwise. Now, if you have the recipe for a natural death, which is heart attack, they call it, what's the terminology? Cardiopulmonary embolism from an unknown origin, right? That's that's typically the on the death certificate that they... Can I ask you a question before you tell the story? Because yeah. I think I wrote a paper on this. It's because you get really hot and you start taking your clothes off, yes. right? Yeah. yeah. So people who <laughs> die from heart attacks... Um, Obviously, you can't talk to them after they're dead, <laughs> but because they are all like, like a lot of people migrate to the toilet, they right? Because like they that. feel like they have to take a massive shit and they start shedding clothing. Like it, it's like not hot. Like you need to like kind of cool down. Like it's like you have to get cold right now. Like yeah. you're overwhelmingly hot. So people shed clothing like nine times out of 10 when I show up to a, a, a death that's not something crazy that's like kind of looks natural. They're naked. They really are. That's crazy. Yeah. Have you yeah. ever had somebody charge at you naked? No, not naked. No. I feel like you would. It would be weird. Like you wouldn't know what to do with your hands. If somebody with a big wiener. I tell you. At you. I, I tell you. I had. I had a guy one time. <laughs> it was. It was very much a strange. So the one time, I wouldn't say that I froze up, but I was very confused as to what like I was going to do. We had this guy who was homeless and like mental, and uh, he wasn't naked, but he had shit all over himself. Uh, and he had taken his hands and was like, as like a defense thing, like, and so like, and then we encounter him and have to do something about it or whatever. And it's like, that's so he's going to go in somebody's car. Like yeah. we're going to have to put him in handcuffs. He has shit all over him. He really does. What, uh, how often do you wear gloves? When I can. Okay. So I try to carry a pair of gloves on me, but I mean, do we go through so much of that shit a night, you know, just dealing with people in general? I don't always put on gloves when I probably should or have the ability to, but I try to when I can. Yeah. Did um, you put them on on that day? I had some gloves, yeah, on that day. <laughs> I actually wasn't the one who put him in handcuffs, thank God. James was like, no. Yeah. I can tell you one of the saddest things I've ever seen, speaking of that right there. So we had a... Is it about a, little kids? No, 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 no. I'm not doing it. That's like, don't. No, I've, I've, had, I've had some bad calls with kids, and they, they stick with you for a long time. Yeah. But we had this, this homeless guy. Just, just talking about, like, like, what people can succumb to. 
you know what I mean? Just with their own, their own state of what it is. I mean, you talk, you look at people who are legitimate alcoholics and drug addicts and stuff like that. And, uh, so we have this one homeless guy who he's been arrested a bunch of times and it's not, it's not ever anything crazy. Like this guy's an alcoholic and he's homeless. He's always either arrested for public intoxication or criminal trespass or whatever, just cause he's just, he's just said that, that piece of society people don't want to look at, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I've talked to this guy a lot and he is not, he's not a bad dude. He really isn't like his heart's good. He's just made a lot of bad decisions in his life. That's led him to where he's at coupled with mental illness. Yeah. Um, one time my partner arrested him. He had a warrant, nothing we could do about it. We had to take him in. And when he took him to jail, he had, so this guy has a, her, a real bad hernia, like above his private part area that, that hurts him really bad. And he got to the point where like when he had to use the restroom, both number one and number two, if you will, um, he just got tired of taking his pants off. Ooh. So he just started going like all over himself for a month at a time. So when we get to the jail, like it's, it's awful. It's awful. And so they finally get him, like, undressed. When it came down to his socks, this is the crazy part, man. So he had cowboy boots on. He took his cowboy boots off, and then whenever he was peeling his socks off, the bottom of his socks got stuck to his feet because his skin had grown over the socks. Oh, my gosh. They had to they had to rip them off. And so you look at that, and it's like, how can somebody just not give a shit about themselves at all to come to that I'm just gonna piss on myself. Yeah, I don't. I'm tired of getting up. And it's you know, he was he was very upfront. He was like, a lot of times I'm too fucked up to stand up, so I just pee all over myself. <laughs> oh, shit. What do you do with that? Man, that sucks. It's na- It's bad. It's really bad. So, yeah. I'll I, say to end this. No, I had, the, I, oh, I had a yeah, yeah, I had a second question. Okay. Uh, the very last one. We can end it after this one. Okay. But. Uh, you were talking about how you're trained in like to uh, tell when somebody's being deceptive or when yeah. they're lying. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I guess it's a two-part question. Have you ever read the book Talking to Strangers? Mm-mm. Okay, you should read it. Okay, it's pretty good. Um, it 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 evolves. It kind of goes around the story of uh, that girl that got killed by the police officer. And it was right outside of Dallas, Texas, I think. Somewhere around there. She was new. She was from Chicago. Some shit went down, and he ended up shooting her. Um, and I don't know what happened after that. Mm-hmm. But uh, so the premise is the communication was messed up. Yep. If they could have been able to to understand each other and the way they were communicating, uh, that would have never taken place. It would have right. been pulled over, here's your ticket, and gone. Mm-hmm. Instead, it escalated to this big old thing. Um, well, somewhere in the book, he starts talking about judges and judges – their whole deal is to judge a person and they do it mostly off of so what they hear from from the lawyer or what they hear from the person uh, that's being judged and they just make it and the way they look their past record or whatever mm-hmm. and they're making a judgment mm-hmm. um, he gave a stat it was like 50% of the time or maybe even higher than that the judge is wrong um, and they they put it up against a machine, and the machine just made a judgment based off their right. records. Right, right. So and the machine was correct most of right, the time. Right. So in, in America, 
there are not two. So what you're referring to is called a bench trial. Yeah. Right. So there are two kinds of trials. There's what's called bench trials and there's called a jury trial. So a lot of your high profile, well, I say most crimes, if they're taken to a trial, are going to go, the, the defendant has the option. You can either choose a bench trial where you go and plead your case to a judge or you plead your case to a jury, which is 12 reasonable members of society. Yeah. Right? Peers, what are people, they've, they've been called a number of things. But basically what it, what it gets down to, so when you, have you ever been part of a jury selection process? Mm-hmm. Okay. I've been part of a jury. Oh, have you? Yeah. Okay. So you know that to get to your 12, one of your 12 seats, you have, there, there are certain strikes on either side that people make. Yeah. That the defense make, that the prosecution makes to get down to 12 people that they both collectively agree that based on the amount of people that we started out to begin with, these are 12 reasonable people and we pitch our case and this is, and, and we'll see what they say. And right to convict somebody, you have to have a unanimous, you have to have a unanimous vote. You have to convince 12 reasonable people beyond a shadow of a doubt that this occurred and this is your suspect and that they should be held accountable. Right. Those are the checks and balances that we have in place. And I believe, I believe they're fair. I really do. If we have 12 people, it's not a majority wins. It's, it's unanimous. Yeah. It has to be unanimous. Um, so people have that option to go talk to a judge. And when you narrow your playing field down to one, because a judge is a person, right? It's like a police officer, just yep. like yep. anybody else. They're a person. They, have, they, they hold a position. They have a, a career, whatever the case is. They have their own moral ethic, you know, they can, they can be as by the book as you, as, as you think they want to be or what you think they ought to be. But when it comes down to it, you're dealing with a person. Yeah. They're elected officials, right? Judges are. Yeah. Yeah. They're elected. So they're elected in the place. So when you narrow your playing field down to one person, it's, it's, it's their call, I guess. That's, yeah. but that's what you've chosen. Right. There's, there's, there's not, that's why. Like in some offenses, like capital offenses and stuff like that, it's required to be presented before a jury. And they have mandatory appeals and all of that kind of stuff. So I I believe in my heart of hearts that our justice system, if it is used appropriately and 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 in fairness, that it it works. It really does. I think it's – I'm not going to say it's a perfect system, but I believe if you have all the conditions right and everybody plays by the rules that they're supposed to and they make their own – strikes and all of that kind of stuff, then it's designed to work. It's designed to be fair. It's designed to be reasonable. Yeah. So I'll, I'll end with this right here. Um, so the scope of a police officer, and I would say this goes for a school teacher, this goes for a nurse, this goes for anybody who works in a service industry of any kind, right? The scope of what you do is based around reasonableness, Right. Is it reasonable that I searched this person's car? Is it reasonable that I arrested this person for this offense? Is it reasonable that I don't know this person, they're detained, I patted them down for weapons? The totality of the circumstances is based on reasonableness. That's my whole job. Is, is it reasonable and ethically and morally correct? But your, your the training that you were talking about where you can tell somebody is – being deceptive Mm -hmm. or they're lying. Mm -hmm. Like what is, what does that look like? So it's done through. So fun, funny enough, say funny enough. Um, one of my favorite things to do on patrol and what I, what I feel like I'm really good at and what I spend the the bulk of my time doing is drug interdiction. And so we typically, 
there, there's two kinds of interdiction. There's there's like a like a highway setting. I, I know some guys that work on the highway setting. Answer and, the question. Huh? Answer the question. Well, I'm I'm getting to the question. <laughs> so there's like an urban setting, right? Yeah. So anyway, basically what deception looks like is if I already have knowledge of something, I try to get a baseline for what if someone's going to lie to me. Right. If I already so take for example, if I already know where somebody's coming from, right? Believe it or not, I can watch somebody come from somewhere, like a hotel or an address or whatever. And when I start getting, when I get them out of the car and I start talking to them about just generalized conversation, and I start engaging in that, where are you coming from, where are you going, kind of thing. And we start out with a lie about where I'm coming from, my friend's house. But I watched this car, never broke contact with it. I watched this car come from a hotel. It was there for ten minutes. The driver got out, went into a room, and this guy's saying he came from somebody's house over on the north side of town or, or whatever the case is. Like, So I try to get my baseline of deception right off of that. So you also look for indicators that are not necessarily within your control, your breathing, your eye contact. Um, believe it or not, when somebody's super nervous, this carotid artery right here, you can see it pulsating in somebody's neck Yeah, when they're really, really nervous. So... Um, I also look for whether someone's nervousness climbs or declines based on where we're at in the stop or the, the, the conversation. Also things that they say, if they're very vague and they're not very descriptive or they just don't want to, they avoid certain, you know, topics of conversation or whatever the case is. Cause I also have access to people's criminal history and all that stuff. So if I ask them questions like, have you ever been in trouble for narcotics before? No, 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 no. But they've been arrested 16 times for yeah. controlled substance or whatever. That's how I try to gauge my baseline on what deception looks like. Gotcha. So it's different for everybody, and I'm not always. It's it's not a it's not a hundred percent. I mean, it's it's also one of those like intuition things. You know, people are. You can you ever you ever smelled bullshit before? <laughs> people talking to you. I I think that I smell bullshit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, and and I asked because that's one of the that's like one of the big things that he hits on uh in that book and it's some of those giveaways, those uh indicators that you look for mm-hmm. and in some people that's just how they are. That's true. And that's true. Yeah. So it, it's good, man. You should read it. Yeah. yeah it's, it gives you some good insight. Absolutely. But yeah, we could end there. Everybody How long have we done? Uh, I think it's been a long time. Yeah, a little over 2 hours. That's the longest one. Yep. That is the longest one. Yeah, but hey, man, thanks for coming through, both of y'all. Uh, I won't say your names. I might have a lot of editing to do mm-hmm. to take some stuff out. If not, we'll just leave it all in. <laughs> but uh, thanks for coming through. Yeah. We'll we'll, uh, we'll get you on here again. Cool. Uh, I'll try to get some more headsets for you, Justin. Uh, all right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Um, as usual. Go to Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star review. I'm tired, too. Give us a five-star review. Leave a comment. Uh, hit us up on Instagram and Facebook at Tell Me Something Podcast. Babes. Peace out, Cub Scout. Yep, there it is. All right. Later. <laughs>